You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. You are now entering Magnified Studios. Welcome. Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents It's Hard to Find a Podcast. Covering your favorite indie bands from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Put your tape decks on record. I'm Andrew. I'm John. (laughs) (laughs) These sliders for this episode are going to go up and down the scale. That's Um, a a Ronnie Martin impression, everybody. That is... um, probably not the best way to start the podcast because it sounds like <laughs> we're, we're we love like, this dude we, yes uh we we are gonna be yeah we covered starflyer last week and this week we're covering we're covering joy electrics robot rock and yes. we got a very special guest mm. our boy matt langston hey. of all of the things <laughs> yes. uh, rock candy recordings from 117 from the fast feeling and fantasy league with scott kerr and just an all-around great dude great and just a a huge huge joy e fan like we are and we get to deep deep dive (laughs) into robot rock just spending probably more time talking about this record than anybody has really <laughs> in recent history because we just go we take our time <laughs> talking <laughs> we just let this let the conversation go where it takes us and yes. if you want to if you want to hear adult men approximate <laughs> synth sounds with their mouths then do you're we have luck. <laughs> you're in luck we have quite the treat for you yes uh yeah have fun to go through uh, a very fun album with a guy who knows a lot about synths uh, and sure for him is. this record is really important. So lots of opportunities for us to be like, but Matt, what's what's he doing here? What is this thing? <laughs> and he tells us some stuff about synths that we sort of understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the part that's like, what's, what is that? <laughs> Great mouth sounds all around. What's the deal with the monosynth? <laughs> It goes up and down the scales. <laughs> it goes up and down the scales. It has, it's it's uh, mono means one, but there are many keys. What's the deal? For new listeners turning in, we have done a bad Ronnie Martin impression, a bad Seinfeld impression the first minute or so. Wait, so. Uh, um, excuse me. Oh, sorry. A really, a really good <laughs> bad Seinfeld, Seinfeld impression. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but uh, I, I feel like there's no reason to delay what people are here for. Yes. Yeah, so let's let's just jump right into this conversation with Matt Langston and talk about that robot rock. John, today on the pod, we welcome back Matt Langston. You might know him from his band, 117, or you might know him from his podcast, 11 New Life, or you might know him from The Fast Feeling, or you might know him as our podcast daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Or, <laughs> <laughs> That's what his business cards say. Or you might know him from this new project he's working on with Scott Kerr, Fantasy League. Matt Langston, welcome back to Magnified Pod. Man, I am so happy to be here. 
And I'm so, this, there's not a better way to be spending tonight mm. uh, with people that I want to talk about, that I want to hear about what's going on in your world. Uh, I will say that I don't know if it's like a Scorpio thing. Mm. Uh, I don't even know if I subscribe to that kind of buffoonery. <laughs> but if for, for whatever reason, over the past month, in conversation like this, very flippantly, I keep getting called daddy <laughs> about so many things, some of which I'm like, pass. <laughs> and others I'm like, interesting, tell me more. Well, I mean, podcast daddy just, you know, you're the, I don't know what you want to call it. Of the of, of the Rock Candy Network. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're. You're our, you're our podcast, our, our podtriarch, if you will. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, but if, if, you know, podcast daddy is not your not your cup of tea, we can, uh, or, you know, a cup of, cup of sweet tea for you, mm. for you in North Carolina. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking to control what anyone has to say or anyone's free speech. So this is <laughs> totally, I'm willing to take everything in stride. Right. Okay, cool. We're going to let yeah, the daddies fly then. <laughs> It's been it's been a while it's since been. we've uh, crossed pods here. It's been a couple of years, but we were just saying off pod, there have been a number of things that have sort of come to fruition since our, our last conversation on the pod. Um, we had talked about how much uh, you and Scott independently talked about how much you loved each other on our pod and talked about wanting to get together for a project. So the fact that Fantasy League is here is very exciting. And we also talked a little bit about how much Joy Electric had been influential for you when you were on the show. And we talked about Ronnie Martin and how you would hope to have a conversation with him at some point. And that's what we're here to talk about today is Joy Electric, specifically Robot Rock. And since we last talked, he did do a great two-part episode on 11D Life. And um, a lot of the stuff that he got into today or that he got into on the pod, I think we'll sort of reference today. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was a that was a great conversation for anybody who wants to hear even more Ronnie and Matt goodness. You are so kind to say that. I wish I was still friends with both of them. Um, <laughs> we, we have since had immense falling outs. Yeah, it would yeah. be hard to say nice things about. <laughs> I know. Just Scott is like famously the biggest asshole in Five Iron Frenzy. Um, <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody can bear to stand him. He's, he's, he's so loud and obnoxious, you know. And opinionated as hell. <laughs> What is right. going on there? <laughs> and Ronnie, just obviously a dick. Yeah, um, just clearly. I've just... never met anyone who said a kind word about him. And I just <laughs> took a chance on having him on my podcast. You know, it's it's funny. Um, I don't know if I've ever, I, I, guess, I, guess, I guess I've had, I've heard one other interview with Ronnie, and this was a number of years ago. And it's when you hear him speak and then you hear him sing, you're just like, yes, it is oh, surprising. you know, I don't know if that's like his natural kind of uh, way that he just, just, it just came out that way, but he definitely has a, a deeper, a deeper, more resonant speaking voice than he does a, just a very high, pretty singing voice. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, I think that I think that when you talk to him in real life, the voice that you get is this very sort of sub frequency confident sort of like, oh, so you lift weights that way. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then when you hear him uh, emote and do his artistry and sing Enjoy Electric, it's always yeah. these very delicate and balanced yeah. sort of deliveries that are that just feel like, oh my God, all of this can exist in one human being? Wow, yeah. the world is a, a, a miraculous place to live in. <laughs> Yeah, I thought yeah. he. Uh, I thought he might be like, Matt. It's good to talk to you. Synthesizer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he definitely has like a British affectation yeah, at sure does. points, and I don't know where that that came from. But he's just a it, bro, though. He's just like, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. I was like, oh, that throws me. I don't know. Yeah. It's not the like image I had in yeah. my head. I'm a boy and you're a girl. Podcast <laughs> daddy. Um, <laughs> We uh <laughs> it's different when you say it like that. Um <laughs> Oi, podcast daddy. Oi. That sounds like a, a Conan character. <laughs> yeah. Podcast daddy. Podcast yes. um, daddy. Anyway, we're getting off track here. Um no, I was just gonna say, speaking of interviews uh, on podcasts with Ronnie, our our friends in the Blue Collar Love podcast, uh possible future guests, wink wink, have had him on three times on their pod. So folks should check that out too uh they haven't had jason on yet who their podcast is about but they, <laughs> ronnie has swung by a few times so what is it with that guy <laughs> he's too so cool man important in your life that you can't talk to the people that are the most excited about your artistry on he's the you've got to you've got to maintain a little mystery man yeah as we've heard about uh, david bazan said about uh about Jason Martin and he's the coolest motherfucker you'll you'll ever meet. And so if you're the coolest motherfucker, you're just not like giving away the podcast interviews for free. Oh right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's zero fucks given. That's <laughs> but we we want to talk today about Joy E and about your experience with them. Um we want to hear too a little bit about what's going on in your world musically, Matt. But to start things off, we have a very important question. When did you first hear of Joy Electric? Oh my God. Um, so I think, uh, I don't know how this happened or how this came to be. I guess that uh, distribution companies were doing something different in the late 90s, early 2000s. But the first time I heard Joy Electric was, I was in Walmart of all places. What? And there was, yeah, <laughs> stick close, it changes. Okay. <laughs> um, I was in Walmart and they used to have like a Christian section devoted to that kind of music. Mm -hmm. And there was a BEC sampler that was for sale and it was so old school. Um, I don't, I, I can, I can recall like what the cover art looks like in my mind, but I don't remember everything that was on there. But mm -hmm. one of the songs that was on there was Monosynth. Okay. Oh yeah. And I, played through all of the bands you know i sampled the goods mm -hmm. the wares or whatever <laughs> um and at first listen i remember being terrified absolutely terrified i couldn't have been more than like 15, 14 15 at the time and when i heard monosynth it scared the hell out of me <laughs> and i was like oh my god this is the moodiest shit i've ever heard uh, what is even happening and there was some quality to that song that stuck with me and at various points throughout the next like three or four years i just became absolutely obsessed with it hmm. it's it's kind of like watching a horror movie that you think is really great 
Yeah. And you're like, yeah, but like, I just want to see the limb get cut off again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh And so like, you're just sort of fascinated by this, whatever this fringe thing is where everything else you can put into a very, uh, you can put into a very safe box. Like, oh, this is a ska band. This, this Mm -hmm. feels really poppy or this feels kind of indie. And when I heard that, I had never heard anything like that single in my life. Mm-hmm. And so it immediately got its own drawer mm-hmm. uh, to put things in. I don't know if that was the same for you guys upon hearing uh, that band for the first time. I definitely remember the first time. It was um, the Tooth and Nail VHS compilation the, with the music videos it was night it was in 1998 it was the volume four the one with the flying saucer on the front and i think i got it at maybe i got it at cornerstone it had monosynth on it the music video and i mean apart you know aside from the song being super moody and beep bleepy and bloopy something i've never didn't listen to at that point yeah, even this in even remotely, uh, they were all like painted completely white, and the entire the entire set was white, and they were sort of like slinking around on this giant <laughs> keyboard, and I'm like, I'm like, what is? And they like they were wearing these like way too short lab coats. <laughs> Far too short. Far too short. There was there Jeff Cloud was definitely had they're showing lots of leg. Um, but it was apparently built a giant monosynth uh set for them to walk around on. So they must have spent some money on that thing. Oh, for sure. It was a cool and I was like, but this is such a cool and weird and like there's lots of like pulled focus in the music Uh video. I was like, this is so cool. And I remember uh my brother being like no, this ain't <laughs> not into it. This is this ain't for me. But I'm like, no, this is like this. There's something here. There's something going on here. Yes. Yeah. yeah absolutely. That video is such a wild introduction <laughs> to the band and to their sound. Like for kids yeah. listening to the Christian market to be like, who are these guys painted in white, walking around on a monosynth, plugging in wires, um, <laughs> talking like this? Um, plus, that's just like you know magical forest vibes and fantasy and dark yeah. terrain and there's yeah. just nothing like that in the christian market certainly at the time uh, everything was so fantasy driven it was whimsy and yeah there was absolutely nothing that was being that they did as far as label mates on tooth and nail they had no they had peers. nobody they had no right. peers yeah yeah yeah, I mean, that was something he talked about with you is sort of being like, you know, he could go to try to go to another label that was maybe like more comparable or there'd be more similar bands or he could go with the world that he knew and be like the one <laughs> artist that sounded that way in their entire roster yeah. and never quite like break through to the level that a lot of the punk bands were selling probably more records I mean, were. Which that, that begs a, a much larger uh, question or narrative of like, you're thinking about a label like Tooth and Nail, and you're like most of the stuff that they come out with is kind of predictable. Like, oh yeah, this is sort of like fringe indie rock that was all going to become incredibly popular in the next like three to four years. So kudos to Evil for 
having the foresight or the, I, I don't know, the balls or the gall or whatever you want to call it, um, intuition. But it was, I can't overstate enough how much taking a chance on a band like that with that kind of artistry and that sort of vision and that the sort of cojones to be weird yeah. in that area of music that was happening because they they had to have signed joy electric thinking like there's no one in hell's going to buy this record. Right. Like, because none of that was what was happening at the time. Right. It was taking an, an absolute blind leap of faith into that artistry and that mm-hmm. specific brand of artistry. And it has paid dividends, I would assume for them within the creative community of people like us that, that gravitated towards that sort of thing or were like, or started thinking about art differently, mm-hmm. right? But maybe wasn't the most financially successful thing that they had to do. Um, and now I can't imagine that ever even happening. I can't imagine somebody being like, oh, you don't have 800,000 views on TikTok? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I feel well, like we got lucky. Yeah, and when you think of the first record uh, the first Joy Electric record that came out in 1994. I mean, that was the same year that Dookie came out. That was what Joy Electric was up against. Like right. the 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 pop punk thing was about to explode at that yeah. moment. Yeah, in a way that like n- nobody was prepared for. And he easily could have pivoted and. Uh, done something, done something in that in that vein, but I think the fact that he stuck it out and and did what he it was authentic, it was authentically him, you know. Yeah, and yeah. That says something about his about him and and how he wanted to create something. Yeah, I, absolutely. And and you, I feel like there's like this point where you are so young, you know so little of the world. And you don't realize until you're older that like, oh, me not knowing all the limitations is also my strength because right. I'll just like try this crazy shit and I'll, I will follow my artistic vision wherever it's going to go. And then you end up with this kind of stuff that actually does have a, a cultural impact. I mean, props to both Martin brothers for just completely right. sort of inventing and occupying their own lane within the Christian scene. And, you know, some props to Tooth and Nail for... Those were both very, very early signers, signees to the label yeah. and like having the vision to sort of like, as you're saying, Matt, be like, this might not be our top seller, but like, it's good for us to have these guys on our roster. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate the sort of vision in committing to like keeping them around. And they're both obviously so prolific uh, and have been making many albums for decades. And so that Lane like stood the test of time through a lot of sort of fads of music. Um, Absolutely. So I think they were influential for a lot of people, but I know Matt, you've said specifically Joy E was kind of the reason you started getting into synths or like a reason at least. Um, Can you kind of talk about how the process of how you got into analog synths and the role that Joy E played in that? And like, what was that process for you? It was so funny because when I talked to Ronnie on the podcast a few months ago, um, he had sort of mentioned that like, oh, there, you know, there's a precise quality 
to synthesizers and sequencing and to making music in that way. And when you know that you can program notes in a certain way and you don't have to like garner the artistry to be able to play them all <laughs> like right. in that way it, it it's strange that it sort of frees your mind up to be like oh yeah that's a given i can program mm -hmm. this baseline that i thought of but i can't play and so it sort of it, it frees up these different artistic parts of your mind where the sky's the limit within this world and so everything that you can think you can do I, I thought that was like so interesting that he said that because that was what sort of draw me to, uh, sorry, drew me to electronic music in the first place was there was a preciseness to it. And coming from like a pop punk and punk rock sort of background, I was like, God, everything we do is sloppy. And like, <laughs> if there's anything that's marketable here, it might be just this sort of like, fuck you kind of vibe that, that maybe everybody has going on or, or that they're tapping into culturally um, but these are not the best musicians on the planet. And if you've ever recorded a punk band in the studio, God, um, <laughs> there's, a, there's definitely a refinement that happens over time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's the opposite of the, of the precision of the kind of music that Ronnie makes because yeah. it's, it is programmed and it is to a specific tempo. It will not change. And, you know, that the opposite of the sloppiness of any punk band, which I don't know, I think has its has its charm in some ways. But so at what point did you really start getting into sense? I mean, I know Eleven D sort of took a shift out of the pop punk into the synthier, but had you been messing with synths earlier? Like what was when did you first start really getting into him? So like uh Robot Rock came out in ninety seven. In 99, Christian Songs came out. And I think I bought that record before I actually purchased a copy of Robot Rock. This, it, this is going to feel like so much insider baseball to anybody who was <laughs> not a part of this. But um, I got that record. And then the internet was a new fucking thing in yeah. everyone's life. And all of a sudden, there are chat rooms and websites and Napster. Mm -hmm. And so I just start downloading every single piece of anything that has joy e on it uh which definitely led me to some <laughs> lincoln park songs that were <laughs> named as joy e on Hamster. yeah for uh, sure yes <laughs> but yeah i just got super into that one of my first jobs that i got was at a uh a like presbyterian summer camp mm. when i was 16 and I, the whole reason I took that job was because I added up the numbers and I was like, by the end of the summer, I can afford a synthesizer. I can afford Ooh. this like Korg Electribe, which oh, didn't, yeah. even, didn't even have keys. It was just like this sort of groove box kind of thing that you could program sequences in. Hmm. Um, and that my whole summer was just dedicated to that because hmm. I was like, I want to be able to recreate at least in some semblance, like what I'm hearing mm -hmm. on these Joy E albums so that I can just like at least touch the magic <laughs> and like see, and then, and just like fiddle with knobs and like see what that's yeah. like and maybe get in the head of like what Ronnie was doing at the time. Yeah. So, yeah, but that was my first synthesizer. It had no keys on it. It was incredibly difficult to program <laughs> and sounds like absolute shit. <laughs> In was hindsight, that, but was that like the beginning of a 
a lifelong love for analog sense or was it have you been i know that like ronnie's pretty specific about the lane he was trying yes. to stay in and be pure yeah. about that yeah were you pretty like i need the, the sort of analog sound or were you like i'm gonna mess with everything and figure it out it was a combination of like i didn't care necessarily about like where the sounds came from i just wanted to know where they came from mm-hmm. but then when i started reading all of these online forums and stuff like the joy electric and plastic music forums mm-hmm. which is the label that he started mm-hmm. everyone it was just like a, a wave a cloud of pretension over <laughs> all of it where everyone was like oh my god it, everything has to be analog and, and and i'm like well but this is the guy like ronnie's the guy who's kind of the analog purist and everyone is just sort of mirroring his attitude mm-hmm. but they're mirroring it in a way that makes it inaccessible for people mm-hmm. so anybody else it's like oh i just love pop music if you went on to one of those websites in the you know late 90s early 2000s you would be like oh fuck this like this is, i'm never going to fit in with this crowd like whatever right. they're talking about is not my thing but it did turn me on to the concept of like analog synthesizers mm. And so like later on in life, once I kind of started figuring out what that was and I was able to afford a couple of pieces, that's when all of the, everything kind of started to connect with me that I was like, oh, part of the artistry of this is the limitation in the technology. Mm-hmm. And like, when you start to interface with that, you realize like, oh, it's a, it's kind of a spiritual discipline. You don't get given the keys to heaven. You create your own keys to your own heaven, mm-hmm. uh, as it were. If that makes any sense, that's so esoteric. <laughs> but no, I love it. I've listened to interviews with Ronnie where he talks about his uh, his analog synthesizers and everything. Um, I don't totally understand it, um, and it's it's probably. You're, I mean, you're talking about inside baseball. That's probably way too inside baseball. But for the focus of like what we are going to be talking about today, can you explain what? a mono synth is <laughs> <laughs> so a mono synth is short term for a monophonic synth which means that it can only play one note at a time so it only receives one uh charge of voltage into it and that voltage how, how high that voltage is corresponds with uh the pitch at which the oscillator will sound so it will only play one note at a time where a piano is monophonic or sorry, uh, is polyphonic. You can play all of the notes as many as you want, but with a mono synth, it will only play one note at a time and you can hear it glissando or portamento up and downwards to other notes, but you are completely. Yeah, exactly. That's that weird sound, but yeah, it only does one note. And so you have this limitation where it's like, can I build an entire song just by playing one note at a time it's like it's not even correct to say oh well if you just made a song playing bass because you can play chords with a bass you right can play up to four note chords with a bass so a bass would technically have four note polyphony um a guitar would have six note polyphony but you can't play any more than that and that's sort of the same thing with synthesizers you sometimes you only get one note and sometimes you get hundred. I mean, he explains it all in the song, Andrew. Sound of sliders, army of wires, all <laughs> the oscillators. Up, <laughs> the oscillators join in unison. I, I guess I just have not. Beautiful. 
<laughs> oh yeah so so the oscillators are the different voices so if it's monophonic there might also be different voices you can you can play the same note but the voices are two separate voices so you have a note ringing at boo and you have another note ringing at a slightly uh detuned boo and then those notes together you're still controlling them with the same keyboard but you can't play them as a chord or as an interval you can only play them as one note at a time. Am I speaking to the choir? Because I feel like you guys. No. Okay. No, this is why. This is why I asked. I think uh, that's really helpful. <laughs> yeah. And like, anytime I, I think I know a little bit about synths, I hear like people who know about them talk about them. Like, oh, I don't know shit. But <laughs> I appreciate them very much. So you explaining it, I think, is very helpful for people. Yeah, for somebody who is um, loved mono synth for you know what twenty four years now, I guess. Uh, I've never even thought like maybe I should look that up and see what that is and what that means. I've just been like, yeah, fuck yeah, giant, <laughs> giant keyboard. They're walking around. There's wires. It's reflective of his whole ethos of the purity of staying in one kind of realm sure. for the kind of uh, synth sound he wanted to create. Right? I mean, that's yes. sort of the idea. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it is absolutely in staying with the purity. Although I will say. There are many chords mm. on Robot Rock. Indeed. Uh, but I don't think that there are any on Monosynth. <laughs> you're right. No, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is something we'll get into later. And perhaps a fair amount of controversy is attached to this. But I, well, I feel like I'm more of an appreciator of the minimalist sound than I am an actual, like, want to throw down on this all the time kind of thing like so tell me tell me why you think that is like what is it about that minimalist sound that you gravitate towards oh i was i was saying sort of the opposite but like oh, the, okay. the minimalist nature sometimes is like too monotonous for me <laughs> oh, like, okay interesting so i can I, I appreciate his artistry and i i love joey but like there was always a limitation to it for me where it was kind of like i respect it or i appreciate it more than i actually like listen to it front to back all the time because i feel like it sort of hits a point with some of the songs where i'm like i got it you know what i mean like i understand <laughs> the sound and i've sort of had enough for now yeah i know um, what the chorus is going to be yeah and, I, yeah and i i love it but like when i heard his solo album i was like oh like this is kind of what i've been wanting from them forever and like maybe he would be disappointed in that because it breaks from the sort of um purity he's using a lot of stuff on that album i assume that he hasn't done with other joey stuff where there's like drum machine sound that's noticeably different from any drums that he's done right right um, and i think that fullness and that kind of lushness is more what i'm drawn to um mm -hmm. so and i you know for we'll get into this later but like for me the sort of joy of going through these records in this martin brothers stretch is like I always have really appreciated Starflyer and Joy Electric, and I had a couple of their albums, but I was never like a full deep dive guy on either band. I always yeah. enjoyed what I had. Um, so I don't have the same nostalgia attached to some of the early Joy Electric records, even though I liked them. So when I heard um, Ronnie's new solo album, I was like, oh, I, I like this more than anything Joy Electric has done. <laughs> Maybe that's like blasphemous, but the sound that he's creating now, I feel like is it operates on the sort of like much like bigger drum sound and just like lusher instrumentation that's like not really a part of the absolutely 
Um, Absolutely. And blasphemy is entirely <laughs> relative, right? Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, right. Uh, completely. So like, I don't think there's anybody out there that would be worth your time to talk to that would shame you for sure. your preference or like things that you like. Yeah, yeah. Maybe some of those guys on those... Uh, right on those boards oh no those motherfuckers absolutely (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're like ronnie sold out he's not using the one synth i like anymore um yeah but those people those people are miserable and they don't have any friends anyway (laughs) um get them on the pod um (laughs) you uh you mentioned to us when you were on uh, when we did the cross pod last time that like you had sold him this juno 6 synth um and that that's what he'd used for the last story electric record. So I was very uh, happy to hear you bring that up with him that, you know, he, he still had it in his world, but I was like, Oh, I remember uh, Matt talking about that synthesizer. So anyway, I, I wish that I hadn't have brought that up with him. And <laughs> he was like, I gave it to somebody else. Yeah. Cause I'm sure that somebody like he might hear this podcast or whatever. Um, but I was, I just kind of wanted to know, like, I don't have an emotional attachment to things. Um, or like synthesizers because I've just gone through so many of them yeah. in my lifetime. And just the fact that like I sold him the synthesizer, it ended up on a record. Oh my God, what a yeah. fucking cool story. Totally. Right? If he had never recorded anything with it, then it's going to somebody who's going to use it more than I will. Somebody who doesn't need MIDI, I guess, uh-huh. <laughs> to do anything with it. Right. And so... I was just like so stoked on that. And I I definitely kind of felt this moment in that conversation with him where I felt like maybe he was, he felt sort of sensitive to that, which he he does seem like an incredibly empathetic person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, this is not, this is not a deal for me. Like it, it's okay. It, even if it's not in your world, if you put it up on eBay, right, like right. that, that's totally fine. Like, I just thought it was cool that I was like, oh, I know the synth that he's talking about. <laughs> so I'm glad <laughs> we got some closure on. Yeah, it's on out there happens. somewhere. It's, yeah. it's dusty in a back room <laughs> somewhere. I mean, we'll take it. Um, yeah, I mean, so we'll, we'll get into the record more and a little bit about the band. But before we get into that segment, so we do want to hear a little bit about what's going on in Matt's musical world right now. There's a mm. new 117 single coming out this week. Can you tell us about it? Uh. Yeah, it's a new track called Weird Ones. Um, And I've been so overwhelmed with producing for other people in the studio, probably for the past like two years, Hmm. that it's been really hard for me to just find time to get down here and goof off. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's probably where I'm my happiest. Hmm. Um, But I also have like a, a very... A complicated relationship with it where I've spent so much of my life just banging away at these machines mm-hmm. uh, and and then just being like, what the fuck is this all about? Like, what, what am I doing? I should go kiss my wife. I should go like <laughs> hug a child <laughs> or, or float down a river or drink a beer or do something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it, it definitely over the course of my life has become more complicated in that way. But this was just like a fun tune that I ended up having an idea for and it went through I think I did this is like the third revision of the song mm-hmm. that's going to come out and I've thought about maybe putting out the other two versions that didn't make the cut or that I didn't like um because I feel like that's what my creative process is like I'm very envious of people that are like 
here's the song, here's the vision. And then whatever we get at the end of the day, like this is the thing. And I'm like, I'll finish a song entirely and then come back to it a month later and be like, oh, this is absolute shit mm. <laughs> or this is garbage or, or whatever. And all that's relative, yeah. you know, but I'm just looking for something that I feel connected to or that I feel happy with. I'm excited to, to hear what it sounds like. Are there other, is that kind of your approach to 11 of these days is sort of like when you get a chance or do you have a, a sort of vision for what might be still yeah i mean like there's a part of me that wants to get out and keep doing shows and yes and do all kinds of this stuff and we do have a few shows on the books for the uh this year which i'm super excited about sweet um but i'm also like i'm 36 now and it becomes harder and harder to convince your friends to come play shows with you and do mm-hmm these really fun frivolous things mm. you know that are not financially viable but it's like we never did them because they made a lot of money we just did them because we love them yeah dude. so i like being being able to connect with that part of myself again mm-hmm. um but i also there's this whole slew of other artists that i'm around now mm-hmm. there's somebody new in the studio every week and so i like being able to be the person that I didn't have growing up. Somebody who's like, here's how publishing works. Mm-hmm. And here's here's like how the music industry works. Mm-hmm. And here's some like things that you should really be focusing on if you want to do this for the next 30 years. Right. Like d- don't try to become TikTok famous. Right. <laughs> try to figure right. out what makes you happy and then like focus in on like, honing that artistry in like it's spiritual work being in a band Mm. spiritual work for everyone that's involved in it and so as soon as you can acknowledge that like the happier i feel like you'll be Mm. or you don't you don't take the lows as seriously and you don't take the highs as seriously either you're like no i'm doing my thing if this if the clouds move and we get a ray of sunshine and somebody places us on stranger things then fuck (laughs) yeah that would be rad um (laughs) absolutely this is uh this is probably a conversation for off pod but you know i you can see behind me like amp guitar bass you know i have the rig yeah the rig (laughs) um i haven't been in a band in a decade i'm 38 and thinking about playing on stage at least one more time just is so appealing to me but like you're saying it's it's getting it's as you get older it's hard to find people who are just like yeah because when you're 23 you're just like what time do we go on two in the morning fuck yeah it's a it's in the basement (laughs) sweet we have to pay them to play (laughs) yeah it's like (laughs) you know the only the only people there are the other bands sick you know but (laughs) but now like i just went to uh see Jeff Rosenstock and Catbite the other night at uh at First Avenue and I was like oh, it's an all ages show that starts at 6:30 <laughs> oh yes and <laughs> we're going to be out by 10 o'clock amazing oh my you know God. you know but that's the re- <laughs> and then like I got seats to sit down in the balcony oh perfect you know <laughs> The, like so like eight year old ass is different you know dude like i don't have i don't have the i can't stand for like three and a half four hours at a show are you kidding me 
No. So like I have these two competing things in my mind where I'm just like, I want to experience what's happening here, but like I also want to be at home and in bed. <laughs> yeah, right, man. When I move up there, werewolf reclamation werewolf, project. Werewolf reclamation <laughs> project. What? Our, our spooky our, um, our, our spooky our, vampire. Uh, is this a spoiler for like what's gonna happen in the next year? Uh we've talked about this. I, I want to make it a reality in some form at some no, point. But, for sure. Um, John and I have talked about starting a spooky horror punk band called Werewolf Reclamation Project. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> sort of surfy. You know, some fifties vibes in there. Oh some, like, my god! Surf Vibrato, punk, Fender amps. Uh huh. Uh huh. We're gonna yeah. do this. The yeah, whole just, thing. Yeah, yeah. Just the just nothing but like Fender Hot Rod Deluxes with the reverb turned all the way up, mm. oh, <laughs> all the way, all the way. Um. So while I understand uh, the hesitance uh, to like commit to shows and and playing out and stuff. We did pressure Scott last week <laughs> significantly to get some fantasy league shows happening <laughs> at some point in this world. Doesn't matter if it's just a couple one-offs, you know, out by you or out in Colorado or whatever. We're com- we're going to come, we're going to, you know, organize the Fantasy we'll, League Nation and we'll party. That's <laughs> like nation. That's, it's trending. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And he was like, "Well, you know, there's a lot to figure out for how that would work and who plays what and how we would do that." And I'm like, "But but there's a way. I know there's a way we could do this." Also, um, it's <laughs> You know, if if Five Ryan is playing, Scott's already there. You can come. There'll be a go. drummer. You know, it's an I feel like Five Iron tour where you guys play in the middle. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, it's gonna be and great. Then, and then Eleven D Eleven D Seven can play, and then Yellow Second can play, <laughs> and then Fast Feeling can play, and then it'll it'll just. And by the end of it, like Scott is dead. <laughs> yeah. He's in every single fucking band. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's um, because everything he touches is just gold. I just, you know, he's, he's, and then you bring you, you, both of you together. I can't get enough of like what you guys are doing with Fantasy League. And uh, we're so excited for this record, whatever it looks like, whether it's just a digital release or whatever. It's, uh, these first few songs are just so so good and such good blending of your both of your styles and voices and um so we we got scott's side of things uh when we had him on but from your uh side how did this kind of come to be from my side of things, Scott got super fucking high one night and then he called me. <laughs> he was like, Hey, I want to start a band. I was like, Also high. So I'm in. <laughs> um, Perfect. <laughs> no, it was like, I, it, it's exactly like everything that he probably said on the podcast, where it was like, We had so much fun working together with the fast feeling. Mm-hmm. And we were like, yeah, but what if it was just us and no one was giving any dissonance or like pushing against our ideas? Like, wouldn't that be amazing? And so, uh, yeah, over the last like few years, everything has been so like Five Irons playing shows, you know, Scott's got his own job. I've got all this stuff happening in the studio and all the eleventy stuff happening. And so it just like wasn't a good time for us. Mm-hmm to like get together and i think um i don't know if scott would share this uh sentiment but like 
retrospectively on it, I think maybe COVID gave us this really like focused sort of factor Mm. where we were like, oh yeah, life's too fucking short. Like how often is it that you find people that you vibe with, that you enjoy playing music with, that you enjoy making music with? Like if, even if nothing comes of this, like, who gives a shit? If I made a hundred million dollars making music, I still die at 75, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh yeah, no, we, we let's do this because this makes me happy. Like making music with my friends, with people that I connect with in that way, that we can be on a wavelength together and experience right. wavelength together. It's so fucking rare. Right. And why not? Like, why wouldn't we do this? And so I think we just kind of were on the same page and he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll book some flights and let's do it. So, oh, yeah. yeah. We are so stoked on the sound of these songs that you guys have come up with together. And I feel like this, the particular and unique like pop songwriting craft that each of you are capable of comes together in such a satisfying way for mm. these songs that have come out so far. I really feel like it's some of the best work that each of you have done on your own. And like, it's such a satisfying converging of your your talents together so we're very excited to hear more um how would you describe like did you have a goal for sort of how you would work together on these kinds of songs do you see yourself as like occupying a certain lane for these and scott does a certain lane or is it all just kind of like loose and when you get something you throw in what you feel in the moment or how do you kind of like approach the vibe of these fantasy league songs a really great question I feel like I've been so busy with other things over the last two years. And so whenever Scott can send me a song, I feel like that's probably where I excel the most. Because mm-hmm. I will spend years like getting raw material into something because mm-hmm. I'll sit with an acoustic guitar for like months and be like, oh, well, this this works, this doesn't. I'll change chord progressions. I'll try the song out a hundred different ways. I feel like Scott has this like prolific quality about him in which he's like, oh, here's an idea. And maybe, maybe I'm a safe person for Scott to be like, here's an idea. And even if you think it's dumb, we have enough like social capital together (laughs) that I, I can trust you and, and I'll move on. And I think the more songs you write, the longer you're in the music industry, the less precious you are about your material. Mm. Um, and you're like oh yeah if it resonates with someone cool like it passes the first test so i i feel like there's a lot of that but when somebody hands me a song that they've spent some time on i feel like my sweet spot is being like oh yeah like we can take it here or let's try this out um i know there were probably a few times where he got bummed (laughs) that i was (laughs) like oh no 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 like your melody is incredible here that's great now let's try it with like different bass lines different chord progressions underneath it at this point i'm like whatever ego trip that people are on i'm willing to let them be on it and so a lot of times we'll have a conversation maybe not scott and i in this way Mm. but like other Mm -hmm. artists where i'm like oh if this this is like your thing that you want this is your magnum opus and you think it's going to change the world then i'm happy to try to help you realize that vision but if you're looking to an outsider to sort of rub stone against stone and sharpen the edge, then 
here's what I would do. And so I think it comes down to like how much you trust whoever is producing your material. And I'm the same way. If I go into a room and I'm working with a producer, I'm only working with them because I love what they've already done. And I feel like they have a really great taste and a flair for what it is they're doing. Mm -hmm. So I'll bring them something and be like, if you don't like it, let's not work on it. If it doesn't resonate on both our frequencies, then cool, let's move on. But if it does, let's dig in and let's like put in the work that it takes. And it is fucking work. Yeah. Like to it, it's spiritual work to be like, this was really precious to me, but I also trust this person. Yeah. And so what what will happen at the end of it? And you constantly have to be willing to live in the moment constantly because as Buddha says, <laughs> You want is to suffer. To hold on is to suffer. And the less that I hold on to things, uh, the happier that I am. And the artists that I see come through the studio who are willing to be like, oh, yeah, let it evolve. Let it grow. Like, let the seed grow. Don't just let it be a seed its entire life and nobody mm -hmm. ever hear it. So, I like you're just yeah. you're bringing the spiritual knowledge tonight, man. I love this. Uh, right. I'm over Christianizing it, and I apologize because <laughs> that's not that's not my intention. <laughs> no, no, I'm into it. You know, iron sharpens iron. We we got. Um, yeah, I I I love uh, what you guys are coming up with together, and I love the approach that you have both like talked about um, taking with this project in particular, and with your work in general these days. I think how you're talking about making music with folks um, is really uh, admirable. I think that's uh, folks have a lot to learn from kind of your approach that you're talking about. And there's much more to talk about yep. with Destroy Electric record. Sure uh, Andrew, oh unless God. there's anything else you want to get to, should we take a little break and then come back and get into this robot rock? Yes, I think we should take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to down some sodas, get on a sugar rush. And <laughs> Venture, we're, we're going to venture into Joy Electric Land. <laughs> what exactly makes Beyonce the Queen Bee? How do we feel about Ariana Grande's use of rap vernacular? And most importantly, what's better, chamomile or spiced chai? We ponder all of this and more on Hot Tea Hot Takes, now a part of the Rock Candy Podcast Network. Our show is just two friends drinking tea and discussing music, culture, politics, and anything else that comes to mind. We cover everything from Mozart to Megan Thee Stallion. New uploads are posted weekly. Look for it wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you soon. Bye. Hey, John. Hey. Have you heard of Small Step Records? You know, the name is familiar, but, but tell me more. Well, Small Step Records is a faith-based DIY record label with mm -hmm. bands that are melodic punk, pop punk, easycore, emo, and ska. And they have some new albums and new bands releasing records right now on all streaming services. You should check them out. Andrew, not only that... Ooh. They are Magpot's first official sponsor. Oh, really? Starburst's got nothing on these guys. All mm. right. These guys are the real deal. <laughs> uh, the tagline is love God, love others, listen to pop punk. You can go to smallsteprecords.com, check out the cool records and merch and bands they have, and we will be, through their generosity, offering some giveaways in the coming uh, weeks and months uh, on our socials of some of these small step bands records so keep your eyes peeled for that also john unlike some record labels which may have come up over the course of the podcast the artists on small step 
always keep 100% of the rights and ownership of their music. Yes. So any money that goes to Small Step goes directly back into supporting the bands. This is a label with integrity. So you love to see it. Love to see it. Small Step. Check them out. Smallsteprecords.com. And we're back. I've been wanting bleeps and bleeps on this pod <laughs> for so long, and we're we're in the thick of them, baby. Oh man, we are in the we are in the patch of them, the thick of the patch. <laughs> I got right. so scared because I have this exact album on my Spotify on my screen, and I was like, "What the fuck is that? what's happening?" <laughs> um, we're talking Joy Electric, talking Robot Rock, that 1997 record uh, that. Matt and I have nostalgia for that John hates. Um, I knew oh, you were gonna shit. you were gonna spin this right <laughs> Great away. Opener. <laughs> Great opener. Great opener. I, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, John. No, I knew it was coming when I opened myself up to this. Yeah, uh, you open your you give your give me just a little bit to spin it as you being the villain. <laughs> um, it's it's true. I, I may not have the same level of nostalgia for it that that you two do, but I. I certainly appreciate it very much <laughs> um yes talking robot rock uh what i think is pretty universally considered their breakthrough record right um highest selling certainly uh and got them new attention and sales in a fancy music video as we talked about in the last segment just to give a little background on where joy electric came from up to that point they formed in 1994, as we said, and grew out of Dance House Children, his band with Jason that we talked about last week. And whereas Jason kind of went a fairly different path by forming Starflyer, Ronnie kind of continued on in a version of that. There's Rainbow Rider in there before becoming Joy Electric. And I think it, you know, probably fair to say it moved from sort of dance to sort of synth driven, but not uh, intentionally, not sort of a dance sound um even though there's elements there of that it's sort of its own unique lane um and i feel like the 80s sound is really what's kind of um the most unique about where joy electric's direction was it really captures a lot of even like early 80s stuff like once craft work sort of becomes a point of comparison it's like oh i get what he's doing here a little more again it's sort Mm -hmm. of that like limiting his lane not 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 limiting in a way of like restrictive but like trying to stay within a certain set of artistic parameters for the project of joy electric and to compare it to those early 80s early synthy records i think is a better point of comparison than maybe a lot of the electronic stuff that was happening at that time um but as kind of analog synths became his focus uh joy electric grew out of that as we said was one of the early signers tooth and nail much like starflyer and also like Starflyer, Ronnie's kind of been the one permanent member of the group, although Jeff Cloud, as we mentioned, uh, in a lot of that, as well as being involved in Starflyer. Um, but yeah, that that uh, that specific 80s sound, staying within those confines, I think is part of what made them so unique in the market, as we were saying before. Um, although, you know, maybe a little, little more overtly Christian than Starflyer, 
but again, you not think? always. <laughs> oh my God, a little. <laughs> okay, maybe a lot. But I still feel like for that world, they still weren't, it wasn't like super beating you over the head with it. You know, there was still like an artistry to the explicit um, Christian elements. I think until you got to Christian songs. Christian songs might be the sort of <laughs> exception to that rule. <laughs> I sugar rush and i'm your boy like it's not being like and and when i'm talking about this i'm talking about god that's that's what i'm trying to say like you could you you could feign ignorance and be and think like you could think this oh this is about a is this a god or girl situation there's some some songs uh, in the later discography, that's not going to be <laughs> the case so much. Yeah, if right. you weren't a Protestant evangelical, maybe that would be the case. Right. That yeah. you would think differently about it. Yeah, right. Yeah. But you can you can sniff out some of what he's going for here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Christian songs apparently was a response to people being like, you know, are you actually a Christian band? Like, are you a Christian who's in a band? And him kind of being like, look, they are, it's Christian music. Okay, here's Christian songs. Is that good enough for you? Like, these are about being a Christian. So I guess I sort of appreciate it in that way. But yeah, as we often uh, discuss on the pod, when those references are done with maybe a little more nuance and artistry, <laughs> I think I appreciate it at the time. And I still appreciate it now looking back. We still don't have to open up the box uh, <laughs> this season, no. Andrew. So no, we don't. We're, we're in good shape there. Um but uh <laughs> not 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 a lot of uh uh joy electric abortion songs no so. thank god uh, <laughs> i can't imagine <laughs> what that would sound like uh but i don't want to know um yes uh both both brothers somehow in addition to being sort of um uniquely pioneering their lanes within the the christian scene also incredibly prolific um 14 Joy Electric LPs, uh, just LPs over the course of their, uh, I don't know, 20-ish years of recording, more than that, I guess. Um, and he's kind of retired the name at this point and, and not released a record in a while. But as we said, he also has a new uh, solo record out. Very excited that he's back in some capacity playing stuff. But but how prolific these guys are never fails to like blow my mind. Um, it's kind of rude, actually. A little bit rude. To um, just to be so... The rude boy Martins. Ooh, <laughs> right. yeah. Oh, when's when is when are they gonna do Martin a ska, ska record? Project, yeah. Oh hell yeah. Probably be I mean great. they did the they did the Brothers Martin, yeah. you know. Yeah, there's gotta be there's gotta Brothers be Scarton can't be far behind. <laughs> I don't know. Which always um, which always to me begs the question where I was like, I've listened to the Brothers Martin stuff. Yes. And I'm like, I absolutely this is no uh, value judgment whatsoever i do prefer them on their own sure but it's like when you listen to like all of their uh their artistry together you wonder what those creative conversations are like where it's yeah. like is ronnie sitting there going like yeah but like let's just let's actually say it's about christ right. <laughs> and, and jason's like yeah but it could also be like fedex and that could <laughs> right. be a thing too <laughs> yeah i did i i was curious about that process and i think I, I heard an interview or something where he said like nine of nine of the ten of those songs were them coming with the songs pretty much done to the other person and having them like you know add instrumentation or figure out song structure stuff but there's only one song that they actually co-wrote together which i suppose makes sense but yeah witnessing those two guys creating something together would be very interesting to watch 
Um, I would subscribe to that. It's like the <laughs> the the uh, like early two thousands version of Arrested Development, where it's like, what is going to happen <laughs> with this family dynamic? <laughs> oh man, that is a that's a niche reality show, uh, but I would love to watch it. Oh niche. <laughs> um, yes, Robot Rock was released November eighteenth, nineteen ninety seven, on BEC. Uh, recorded naturally solely on analog synths. That's my fucking birthday. I didn't. Oh, whoa. Uh, hey, there you oh go. Oh, my God. Happy it, was, it was meant for me. It was uh, meant to be. Yeah. That, was, that was the Lord, Matt. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, synth Lord. <laughs> the Synth Lord. You were 12? I couldn't. I was born in 1985. So 97, so I would have been 12. 12. 12, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Were you, uh, how close to the release date were both of you getting down with this record? I don't think I was aware of, of Joy Electric yet at this point. For the years. Yeah, I was, yeah, it was maybe another, another year or two, I guess, maybe whenever that, uh, I got my hands on that compilation, VHS compilation. But, uh, but yeah, from, from that moment forward, once I got this record in my hands, it was getting that Children of the Lord. EP getting that Christian songs, getting that unelectric, you know, I was, I was uh, going all in. Yeah. For some reason, I think the white songbook was my first point of entry into that. Oh my God. What a blessing. <laughs> they just first gave to you. I loved how weird it was. I think it was just cause it was like the only used joy electric CD at the Christian bookstore, <laughs> but it was like, I appreciated how sort of ambitious its weirdness was. There is um, no Joy Electric CD that is used. There are only <laughs> Joy Electric CDs that were loved. That's right. <laughs> and, and, prob- and probably some like homeschool mom who's like, the fuck is this? <laughs> gave it back to the store. And then I yes. bought it and happily. It's like, I don't believe, it. I don't believe this is Christian. I'm like, but mom, it says Christian songs on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not buying it. I'm, I don't believe it. That's so good. It says oh, children of the Lord on it. It's going in the trash. <laughs> he still sounds like a girl. <laughs> um, so Robot Rock. Yeah. All songs written by Ronnie, naturally. Ronnie on synths and vokes. And Jeff Cloud on additional synths. Uh, produced and engineered by Ronnie. Um, but I do think it's really interesting that in the liner notes, <laughs> he has samplers, none. Drum machines, none. Computers, oh, yeah. none. Additional music- musicians, none, of none. course. <laughs> Just so. in case you all were wondering, it was all me. It was me. It's all been a dream. <laughs> and I've been a dream. It was me <laughs> all along. Yep, yep. Um, apparently, though, uncredited mixing by Gene Eugene, um, mm. who we talked about last week, and uncredited vocal production by Mike Knott, um, who we also talked about last week. So those guys very much involved in both Martin brothers projects. Right. Um, yeah. The, the British voice is certainly on full display <laughs> on this record. Um, there's times where uh, the vocals are a little flat to me, at least, you know, we'll, we'll get to that because, okay. I mean, because Ronnie mentioned uh, when you talked to him that one of the reasons he sort of had all of this, all these layers and all this stuff going on was to sort of distract from the fact that he's not a great singer, mm. <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny and pretty honest. But I do think that even though, yeah, he he isn't like, uh, he's not going to win 
you know, America's Got Talent or anything like that. I still think that as a kid, I was like, I didn't care. I'm right. like, this this works for me. And I still thought he was cool as hell. Because you think about like a lot of the punk bands we were listening to, yeah, yeah. also on Tooth and Nail, that they were just like didn't have the uh, like a traditionally beautiful voice either, but it, they 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 made it work. And yeah, could he have like tried to do some sort of vocal effects to make it you know, to cover it up? It's like sure, but he was going as mm-hmm. pure as possible. He's not yeah. trying to gloss over the imperfections of his. Of his voice, like this is this is what you get. This is a single note. This is a, a bleep and bloop, and this is my mediocre singing voice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh my god, I know he's gonna listen to this, and he's gonna shed a fucking tear, like that you just like shit all over everything that he did. I did not do any of that. <laughs> he said he; those were his words. No, you're you're right. You're right. I I don't think I don't think there's anything that happens on this album that Ronnie himself would not be like, oh yeah, it was that way. Or right, right. this is what this is how this holds up. Like I'm I'm also like an evolving human. I listen yeah. to music differently now than I did in 1997. What what no one is talking about is this dope ass fucking album artwork. Yeah, that cover rule. Oh, like, I don't is... even know how you caught something like this, but like I have still to this day, I will reference this artwork for it yeah. being so minimalist mm. and so fucking vibey yes. at the same time. I, that yeah. jacket rules. Yeah. I Okay, I want to say a couple things about this. This is 1000% he set up a camera and a timer and that's exactly what happened. That there's, there's, there's no other way, right? That's exactly what there was a, a timer oh, yes. with his iPhone in 1997. That's great. Yeah. It was his iPhone. No, there's like some sort of, there's some sort of a timer on a, uh, on some sort of, it was probably like a film camera too, but I so desperately wanted to be able to grow facial hair so I could have chops. Sick ass chops. I couldn't, I, 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 to this day still cannot grow facial hair. And I still think those chops are sick as hell. And that jacket sick as hell, the gelled PC hair. I tried to do something like that. <laughs> so lesser degree, it was not as, as successful as he's pulling it off. Um, but you know they look, and Jeff just looking lurking in the background. The the half sort of like really dark upper half of the of the record, and then the like the really bright lower half of the record. I mean, this yeah. is what they ended up being in real life. Like Ronnie is constantly smirking mm-hmm. at everyone on the planet, and then Jeff Cloud is kind of in the background, being like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I'm just like I'm just hanging out. <laughs> like I'm just hanging out. I'm doing uh, it's so good. It's so cool. Ronnie's like." As someone who could grow those chops and uh, did, but shouldn't have, <laughs> I can just tell you that like they don't look cool on a lot of people. Yeah, he looks cool with them. He Little looks Johnny so trying cool. to emulate Ronnie, maybe not such a great look. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we should mention that early on the vibe was very much. He had these bangs, and then he would put he would spike up his hair in the back. Right. It was a very distinct look he had going. You know, we talked very about very like, high bangs, very high like, bangs. Lots uh, of inverse Ricky Martin. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, we talked about Jason Martin being, being the coolest dude in the Christian scene, but Ronnie Martin, you know, the most, the, the most stylish dude, right? Like, 
That's a handsome guy. He was the most looking super cool. So so moody and emo. Yeah. Like this is this is somebody who I can be like, you know, we get each other. We're we're moody. <laughs> we're we're sad boys. Yeah, but... He revealed on on Matt's pod that he's an Enneagram four, oh, which my God. Know, of course, but that's to Andrew's uh, liking oh, as well. My dude, my dude. Um, I get but, it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I appreciate too that as you look at his uh, style over the years, like early days, he was rocking black chops and black bangs and now his hair is doing the opposite thing where it's swooped up but he's like a silver fox and a nice oh. beard i mean that dude has we, has gone we, through the age as well we can't talk we cannot talk about ronnie martin joy electric fashion without talking <laughs> stop it without talking I know about, where you're going i know where you're going with this what, what? <laughs> we gotta Wait. talk the children of the lord oh this, fuck. okay okay those, what did you think man I thought you were going to go full on uh, We Are the Music Makers era. Uh, no, yeah. I'm talking these giant cuffed denim and the Chuck Taylors and these this it look it's just so cool, man. I I'm so into okay every, everything that got going on. It looks You are absolutely right. Everything about this is the right vibes, the the uh, font choice, the minimalist aspect yes. of it, the sort of like semi gap addish quality to it <laughs> is yeah. amazing. When this came out in Spartanburg, South Carolina, uh-huh. right? Like on release day, uh, this was weird as fuck. Right. Like, no, there's nobody there are no other bands that were dressing like this that anybody was listening to like i had this ep i went out and bought this ep and i remember kids being like the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> the hell yeah. are these guys supposed to be doing right. <laughs> and it was like don't put me in a situation where i have to defend people i don't even know like, <laughs> i just think it's great never afraid to do their own thing yeah and i also love that they came back with and I'm okay. You're okay. Cover after MXPX did a cover of Drum Machine Joy. As as somebody who at this at this point in 1999 was the biggest MXPX fan in the world, I'm like, can yeah. I love Joy Electric any more than having them cover I'm okay. You're okay. I'm sorry. Why was that filed under spoken? I don't. Weird. Oh my god! It's attributing the Children of the Lord EP to the band Spoken. <laughs> All right. Is that real? This is what spot Spotify. You're you This is what out. happens when Tooth and Nail hires interns and they're like, Oh yeah, we put out four hundred albums. Can you guys put this on the internet? For yeah, yeah. We did all the alt tags properly. Yeah. Um spoken uh next season. We'll get them on the phone. Um I feel like we've done enough table setting for this record. Is it is it time to dive in? You're right, you're right, you're right. You're yeah, right. I think so. so. All right. This is a uh, some some longer records in the uh, the discography of Joy Electric. This is not one of them. No. It's a brief ten songs, uh, just shy of thirty one minutes. But we are starting with Sugar Rush. Get a sugar rush Thinking of you too much I get a sugar rush Thinking of you too much
right, this is my number two. Okay. Not in my top three, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I can appreciate it. I this I mean, okay, here's what I'll say briefly, and then I want to hear why you love it. I it's a little bit like too much of a sugar rush for me. <laughs> like, oh my god. It's a little too much immediately. Just like this is like full on video game music, which is I think yeah, I great. think after you have kids, it's probably too much. <laughs> I'm just right. like I'm I'm in pain, it's too loud, turn it down a little. Um no, but I you know, it effectively con- conveys the theme of sugar rush in that way. <laughs> but yeah, tell us more, Andrew. Um, okay, let me tell you more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look. If he was playing a live show and that started, would I be psyched? Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a little it's a little this too is, much for me this right is away. Such <laughs> I'm sorry, is this blasphemous? Oh god. I it's the the tone of of everything. I so Matt, this is one of the reasons I'm glad you're on this episode is because I want you to tell me what the <laughs> fuck is going on with so many <laughs> of these sounds because i don't know what settings these are or how one gets a particular sound and i don't even know how to describe yeah yeah, some of this some of this stuff but the the tone of these opening chords to me is so great i don't even know what that is called if there's a setting if 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 someone came to you and said you they like they wanted that like wh- how what would you call it what would you go to how would you achieve that kind of sound because okay. but then then the getting into going into the verse you know <laughs> I just want you to do a vocal acapella rendition where you're doing all the instrumentation no there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a lot of this on on this episode yeah get ready for some mouth sounds. <laughs> Okay, um, yeah. So Sugar Rush to me, like it, that's definitely one of the ones that like everyone would kind of play out of kitsch uh, in like uh, uh, the subculture Christian uh, youth group kind of vibes. Sure, you know, like everybody would be like, "Oh gosh, we're gonna play Chubby Bunny." Here's how we're gonna <laughs> intro Chubby Bunny. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like. I understand why people I understand why people gravitate towards this because first of all you strip it all away it is an incredibly simple and precise pop song mm-hmm. and if you were to slow it down or you were to reappropriate it in a different medium um I still think it's a really fucking badass song mm-hmm. and it is just so much at one time. It is an assault on the senses for people maybe over 30. But if you are, if you're like a youth group kid, yeah, yeah, you yeah. hear this, like it hits you in a different way. It feels more like an auditory bubblegum sort of experience, which I have to imagine was maybe part of the point of like, I'm singing about, I'm singing a song called Sugar Rush. Like, why the fuck am I not going to like do that audibly? Right. Right. Yeah. And I, this is, I think the most analogous thing to this now uh, is Perry Grip. Are you guys familiar with with that mm-hmm. dude? Well, I think so. yeah. There's a, a 
anybody who has has kids of a certain age knows Perry Grip and knows these really there's the song uh, raining tacos uh it's uh, i mean the, matt you, you, there's there's a song called space unicorn yeah and and it's got these like really high sort of cartoony voices yeah. but it's this kind of song it's right. this kind of pop banger yeah and something that goes really hard and is really uh memorable um but oh, he's the nerf herder guy did you know that I did what? not know He's that. He's the lead singer and uh, guitarist for uh, Nerf Herder. John, I swear to God, if you blow my mind one more time <laughs> during this now, podcast. Now he's the guy who does Hamster on a Piano, which I have heard. <laughs> so. There's so many textures and layers and bleeps and bloops and little subtle things in every single yes. second of these songs that I'm like trying to take take them in um but they're okay this this might be like a really unpopular opinion yeah but also when i hear this song and i think about what it is structurally i think about the bpms of it yeah this song is fucking punk rock as fun (laughs) like straight up like this is let's make it as fast as we can do it let's like sing about something that like really gets everybody hyped this is something that's important to me which i guess for ronnie at the time would have been like the lord or prayer or some shit Mm -hmm. and (laughs) like and i don't i I don't have anything bad to say about that like i i think it was a, a concise idea done in a really cool way and yeah it definitely had an impact because it's the opener to the entire album and it definitely sets the tone. It's like, if you can't handle the top of the mountain, you're going to hate climbing up it later. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Is so it, is it not in your top three though, Matt? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> you guys are fucking rude. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> So no one wants to validate uh, the banging synth lead, and I'm sorry that it's the BPMs are too much for you. So how is he? How is he achieving this uh, synth-wise, Matt? What's he? What do you think he's? Okay, process was for this. Yesterday, I texted Ronnie, (laughs) and I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna be on a podcast with some friends of mine, and we're doing." like a whole show where we kind of go through track by track with robot rock. And I remember like having this conversation with him at some point. Um, but I couldn't necessarily remember. I was like, Hey, I think this album sounds Rolandy. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it, when you work with synthesizers every day, everything kind of has a specific sonic quality to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one definitely feels very happy, very bubbly, very sort of like on the, on the top yeah. Uh, you can do anything with this. You can make a Windows uh, uh, opening sound, you know, with this. Um, <laughs> and so he texted me back and said, yeah, that whole record was three synthesizers. Wow. Okay. A Roland System 100, which is, I, I think, like an, an old 70s system mm-hmm. that I think he he used a lot of on... Uh, the White Song book. 
okay. for Joy Electric fans. Um, and then he said that he also used a Juno 106 and a Juno 60, which okay. are both kind of the same synthesizers, but they all do have this kind of vibe to them. They have this very big, open, poppy, bubbly, roll-in sound. Um, but I feel like what he's doing here with this kind of stuff, it's like, there's nothing subversive about it. Like the filters are wide open <laughs> on all yeah. the sounds. There's nothing sort of muted or subversive or like textural. It's right. all just like faders set to a hundred. Yeah. And here we go. Like everything's wide open. And that's what might make it feel a little bit anxiety and inducing to people <laughs> yeah. if it's the first thing they hear. Well, it's also called he's... robot rock. It's not robot chill. You know, this is <laughs> this isn't I'm sorry, John, that this is, you know, we're going from Pedro the Lion and Starflyer <laughs> with just straight up chill vibes to like kicking yeah. in the dick with some synthesizers. <laughs> so you know it we're is a gonna... little bit of a, a jarring <laughs> change to go from. I mean, to his credit, he could have also called this album Godbot Rock, which would have made more sense. <laughs> That's but true. He didn't. So there's that. Yeah, I think I think I prefer when uh when you know that it's a little more closed off in that oscillation and things are a little darker <laughs> and spookier, which uh it's a little hint about what's to come in this next song. Oh mm. hell. Yeah, we then we should not waste any more time. Monosynth. Hell yes. Uh, oh my god i've got i just got hit with all the feels yes uh, oh fuck. number one number one my number one it's my number one it's mine too i'm not gonna lie yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely my number one how can yeah. it not be how can it not be this is so uh the the opening the simple this is like when you talk about matt when you talked about sort of sugar rush being this sort of punk rock uh sort of you could see this being Sugar Rush being a punk rock song. I can see Monosynth having that that same thing, like just like somebody being like on stage, just a single drum beat or a single like guitar, you know, like ding 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 ding, and then yeah. like everybody coming in super hard, yeah. you know, yeah. that sort of thing, and it, it just goes so heavy right off the bat. You're like. Because you're, it lulls you into this false sense of like something at the beginning. You're just like, oh, just a couple of yes. bloops, and then it goes hard and dark and heavy. 
Yeah, this is one of those songs that I you can I feel like you could do it with a rock band, you could do it with an indie band, you could do it jazz, like you could there's so many cool things about it. Like one of the things that sticks out to me about it is that um you also have these songs um sort of like brain stew uh, yes. by Green Day. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And this follows the same sort of format where it's like yeah. verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, yeah. chorus, end. Yeah. But, but it's the whole song is you're walking down right. from yes. your one. So you yeah. start at your one and you keep following it down and then you figure out this melody that goes over it. So people constantly feel like they're sliding down a hill with you. Yeah. And that's what makes the whole song feel like a ride. Mm, yeah. Right. Like audibly is that you're constantly sliding down this hill and you come back to the top. He brings you back to the top so effortlessly. Mm-hmm. And then you slide back down it again. Up and down uh, the scales, man. Oh my God. And <laughs> and this is like quintessential sad boy bullshit, right? I love like, it. And and I completely resonated with all of that. I'm completely alone. I'm into some nerdy fucking shit. Of course, I'm in a band called Joy Electric. We just put out an album called Robot Rock. And I just wrote a song about my synthesizers. Like, this is yeah. quintessential sad boy. And yeah, yeah. I was so there for it. It, yeah. That's why it has left such a strong impression on me. I, I hope I hope this doesn't sound like I'm talking shit about it. It, it no. sounds weird when I'm saying it out loud, but I no. don't mean any of this in a derogatory fashion. Well, yeah. we need to talk about so many different parts of the song, um, but I want to talk about the the bridge, the lyrics of the bridge, because this is quintessential Enneagram Four shit right here. <laughs> I. I could be so happy if the world would not ignore me. In my place, there will be stories of a boy who died in sorrow with his monosynth. So dramatic and sort of self-loathing and like, I'm misunderstood. No one gets you. (laughs) And I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And like, plus the 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 British like the sound of sliders. Here yeah. we go. It really comes out yeah. on this track. Sliders. There could have been an entire music video of just tiny hamburgers just floating past <laughs> the screen. <laughs> the screensaver. Oh man. So, oh yeah. god. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's it's pretty undeniable. It's probably most people's pick, but you know, there's a reason why. I think yeah. like you you said it really well, Matt. I feel like that sort of the minor chord uh, melody that comes directly after Sugar Rush is like, oh, this is kind of more my vibe. (laughs) And I appreciate that he can do both of those things back to back. But like that central hook is so memorable. The like, and it's like a little bit of a spooky vibe, which I appreciate. Um, And then that warbly synth sound in the bridge is just so cool. I mean, yeah, give me me all the modulation. I want to hear it horribly um and yeah as you guys said the lyrics are just so cool he's just talking about synths he's talking about (laughs) you know he's going to i I feel like this yeah go ahead no no you're right you're right but it's like he is talking about synthesizers he's he's saying on the surface like something super nerdy and i'm gonna sound like a complete fucking nerd for doing this but all of that like all art is relative to how you're hearing it and it's all an approximation of something deeper that's happening. So like totally. we make fun of now in our 30s about how this was some like sad boy bullshit. But also like 
we didn't have a vocabulary for describing just how lonely Mm. we were, particularly, and I might be projecting when I say this, but like particularly within the subsect of like Christian Mm. uh, evangelicalism and feeling, and because that's like what we were being pumped with when we were kids was like, you are outsiders, you are people. And even trying to like, even trying to find a place within that subculture yeah. was difficult if you had the least amount of intellectual inquiry, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. John, um, I'm going to blow your mind right now. Let's hear it. Um, <laughs> because this song is 100% the same song as my first drum set. 25 okay. years later... Dave Bazan wrote this same song in a very different way. Sure. Talking about loneliness yeah, and yeah. really only in feeling connected to something that he had to feel seen and known and mm-hmm. feel like I don't feel like I want to have something that like I can, you know, write about and write my feelings about. Yeah. Uh, and and it's yeah, obviously Dave Bazan and Pedro is a very different kind of music, and he wrote it in a very linear kind of storytelling thing. But this is, I see these as like as my first drum set and mono synth as being the same song. Yeah, I mm-hmm. can see that. I didn't mean to be reductive by being like he's just talking about synths, but I just love <laughs> that there's a whole song devoted to his love and care for the synths. But I, you guys are totally right that he's using it as a way of um identifying something that makes him feel you know alive or or that he can really identify with uh when maybe he doesn't feel that (laughs) opportunity always uh elsewhere apart from that you know specific scene um i also feel like notes go beep in perfect time and beat is a little bit of a precursor to beep boop just a little too loud i feel like there's a little uh oh my god (laughs) what You just blew my mind by connecting dots in my own mind. <laughs> There's no, another like, uh, reference later too that I feel like is similar, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. Hey, hang on to it because okay. it's probably true. Like, there's okay. so so much is happening on this album as we're going through it where I'm uh-huh. like, oh yeah, that's that's why. That's why <laughs> I do this thing this way. Yeah. What a good song. Great song. I can't believe I overshadowed one of the parts of Monocent that I love so much. And that's the ending. So how would he do that uh, analog? Or is that not? How does... It sounds... To me, it sounds like a vocoder. Okay. It, to my ear, it sounds the most like a Korg VC10. Okay, you would run something through because they have it has a very specific sound to it. But I have I don't know I can't say definitively like how he made that sound. And he might be listening to this podcast right now and be like, Matt, <laughs> <laughs> you fucking ignoramus. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. Um, was that a was that Ringo Starr? Is that your Ringo Starr impression? That's it. That's it. <laughs> I'm too many drinks in to like be able to keep it all together. So. Ronnie, come on, Magpie. <laughs> yes, please. Okay, now we can get to I'm Your Boy. Right. <laughs> Boom. 
So what is so? I'm just gonna keep asking you about particular sounds because <laughs> I've I like this. So what is that sort of that sort of like air pulsing sound? Like where I'm just I guess I'm I'm so ignorant about the difference between like uh, like a digital and analog, like how like an analog synthesizer is set up to make these kinds of i guess these kinds of sounds are like what this would make no sense to you but it just sounds like he's running some white noise through like an adsr that he's like programming uh so this would be a uh like a filter envelope and there are four parts to every sound there's the attack decay sustain release on a sense mm-hmm. on a synthesizer you can control all of those it just like as i'm thinking about him programming all of this uh, i can't i still listen to this album and i hear certain things that come yeah. up in it and i'm like did he program it to do that or is that on a separate track or yeah like i don't i don't entirely know how to separate all of it because it's so fucking frenetic like the yeah. whole thing and that's what i love is that nothing is ever really overstays its welcome it's a it's just a quick thing and it so i get this little like jolts of uh serotonin where i'm just like oh god that 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 pleasure the pleasure centers of my brain have these like yeah that go off when i have these hear certain sounds and and um and the like the the syncopation of this song is different than like it's not just like a you know four on the floor like doom 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 i don't know i don't know how to describe the the time signature of this, yeah, of this song yeah. but bum, it's bum. Bum bum, bum bum, bum bum. One two three four. Bum bum, bum bum. Do do, do do, do yeah yeah. But yeah, I in my mind, I'm also thinking about how like a uh, the syncopation of like the of, of a drum kit would sound on this on this the verses. So like ever since you mentioned that on Sugar Rush, I'm like transposing in my head what I think punk rock versions of these songs would sound like because i think they would sound really yeah. really cool <laughs> right he did the like unelectric thing but maybe we should electric <laughs> what's the opposite of so he did like electric <laughs> version you know what i'm saying let's do a punk rock record <laughs> of joy electric songs is what i'm saying let's re-electrify the yeah, unelectric yeah. version no, electric. Call, yeah, call it, just call it robot punk yeah hey um, somebody probably should have done that 
So this is one of my songs that did not make it into the top three, but just like every other song on this album, I'm like, fuck, the the composition of it is so creative. Um, the way that he like created a beat around it and all the instrumentation starts on the one before mm-hmm. the beat and that he like... A lot of it's world building, right? In the same way that you would build, like you decide what you're going to have in Minecraft or in Roblox. Like Mm -hmm. you decide what you're going to paint with. He's going to paint with these like two or three synthesizers. And then he kind of creates this really bubbly, frenetic world to invite you into to talk to you about how he is going to be like vaguely sexual with Christ. I don't know. (laughs) Um, no yeah. man, they're going. They're going to the Joy Electric Disco Palace. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Which I'm. I know, like I don't. I don't necessarily know that, like p- that. These lyrics uh, are the kinds of things that, like, people are going to reference a hundred years from now and be like, uh, "Oh my God, yeah, absolutely. We all love the Joy Electric Disco Palace." <laughs> he was talking. He was talking about electric cars twenty five years ago. So yeah. Yeah. he was ahead but of the time. <laughs> it's like who else has the balls to be that would be like me being like oh yeah i've got the matt langston synth emporium and i'm gonna write a song about it like that's pretty cool right it's just like i i just feel so proud of everything i feel like a papa i feel like a like a parent a daddy if you will a daddy (laughs) john sorry you're the best you're the best but oh, it's like, I, yeah, as, as much fun as we can poke at all of this, I, I also am like, if this was my kid, if they, they were like world building audibly yeah. in this like completely ingenious way, I'm like, oh my God, no, you've invited, absolutely, the Joy Electric Disco Palace? Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, totally. How much are tickets? Is this next to Dollywood? <laughs> Fuck yeah, we'll be there. Oh man, a Joy Electric theme park would be pretty rad. <laughs> Um, like all the stairs going up things are like look like <laughs> monosynths. Just oh like, my god! Stop. And you like when you walk up them, they are like. <laughs> you can like plug in wires on a giant <laughs> modulated synth. Um, yeah, I, uh, I mean this song is very much like a, a love song to God, as you were saying. Uh, there's a fair amount of those here. Um, I get it doesn't do as much for me as other ones, but I do love that. Like again, that whenever he does the sort of warbly like modulated sounding synth in the, in the chorus in the bridge. I'm just like, Ooh, yeah, yeah. that's, that's my jam. And there's, cool. and there are times on this, on this record where it's like chip tune adjacent, which mm-hmm. I'm super here for. Yeah. 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 And right. the parties for the poor boys. That's what I, that's, you know, Hey, I'm here for that. There you go. Um, so you go from the joy electric disco palace to joy electric land. Right. <laughs> Theme park. <laughs> Love it. Oh. 
Okay, 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 okay. So I'm pretty sure that this was the precursor to he was a boy, she was a girl. <laughs> Can I make it any more obvious? Yeah, Avril Lavigne, huge right. Joy Electric head. Joy Electric, also a land. <laughs> it's a Joy Electric land. That was the original, I'm pretty sure. And I think so. They, they made her change it because they're assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what happened. Um, I, boy, that sound, the like swirly going into the chorus yes, like yes gets me so hyped yeah um it is fun like you just, love it i love it the, this is my number three. Oh, okay great um yeah i i mean everything everything about the 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 leading into with like the joy metric um like all that stuff is so cool that on its own gets me gets me psyched that that's sort of like i don't there's something that is doing something in my brain where i'm like what is that sort of sound from what am i associating that with and i can't put my can't quite put my finger on it um, it's it's some video game thing, and I can't put it yeah. I, or I like any computer from the seventies on film. Right. Yeah. But yeah, like, yeah. not right. even that. It's this is like I. Why why do I it like almost thinks I'm like thinking of like like Mike Tyson's Punch Out, you know, like where they're like talking or something. <laughs> right. like that. You know? Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> right. Um, I don't know, but the the melody of it. Yeah, it's really it's really pretty, and the that that sort of uh, that one, and then like where they phase it in one ear, and then it phase it into the other ear. Um, I just I that that sort of that that's going into then into the and you're right. This is an example of a song where maybe some harmonies or uh, doubled vocals or something to kind of like help out with the the flatness w- would yeah. have been um, help prop prop it up a little bit. But uh, I overlook all of that because every other part of the song is it's so great. Sure, it starts out with almost like a. Canon and D, like da 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 I think it's okay to like talk about the fact that if you are just entering Joy Electric Land for the first time <laughs> when you listen to this, especially what tw- what is this 20 years later or 10 7, 18 years later? 25. 25 yeah. years later, a fucking quarter of a decade. Yeah. Um the the put on British <laughs> accent feels incredibly pretentious uh-huh. on one level. Right. But also on the other level, it's like watching this person in a sandbox with no fucking limitations. Yeah. And no like concern or worry whatsoever. You know, like it's just 
there's something so empowering about seeing somebody dive into just the vastness of their imagination in this mm-hmm. way where you're just pulling all of these different cultural influences together. Yeah. Like you're making the softest punk core <laughs> on the planet <laughs> yeah. right. at the time. I'm going to hard defend the fake British. Think of all of the uh, copy pasted punk affectations that everybody has have put on right uh oh my god for decades like (laughs) it's like like that's not how people talk or sing yeah and do you have the time (laughs) yes john oh my god nobody talks like that nobody talks like that shit this is all fake none of this is real (laughs) but i'm i'm like yeah just you go even harder with the fake British, Ronnie, yeah. go 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 harder with like, yo, I'm a girl, boy and girl, right? In it, <laughs> in we're it, just yeah. out, we're just out here enjoying Electric Land, in it, and we're like, oh, oi, let's go get a pint <laughs> of the pub. Some of your some of your best vocal work this episode, Andrew. I gotta say, um, yeah, we gotta hear. Uh, there's this really uh, lovely high synth sound that comes in at like 158. I'd like to hear some of that. Yeah. Love that. It's so good. It's so it's good. So good. It is so good. Uh, Hence my number three. Uh that that bridge too. You know, you don't yeah. get you know, yeah, that that's it's such a satisfying such a satisfying bridge. And that sort of like uh I guess I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. That sort of phase, phasery. Okay, okay. I'm so glad that you brought that up because when I was like going back through this record, I realized that like that's one of my most favorite tricks of all time. Yeah, that I used a ton on like the Jelly Rocks kind of stuff, mm-hmm. where it's like I would take a hi hat and I would like filter it. Or I would take white noise and run it through a synthesizer so that it was just at like eighth notes or quarter notes. And I would like turn the filter down to create that effect. Mm -hmm. Because I remember hearing that at such a young age and it stuck with me. And I was like, oh yeah, anyone playing the hi-hat can't do that. But if you're programming stuff on a synthesizer, you kind of like inadvertently take people on this kind of weird journey where you can sort of control what the rhythm is doing and like what, what you're saying and you can like make what you're saying even more impactful as you like open this thing up yeah. subliminally to people. I, I don't know. He's, yeah. I mean, as we get through this, right, we're not even halfway through it. Yet. We, have, <laughs> we have, we have the Wednesday of the record coming up here and I'm yeah. already just like fighting a massive erection about it. So <laughs> yes dude uh, just just let it happen yeah, just yeah. go just go with it that was uh that was really cool to hear though i love to hear that uh i mean influence Matt, on your sound i'm a boy you're a boy <laughs> yeah. so let's join hands with all with the massive boy. erections <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, all right and and you and i matt will have a storybook love 
cute song i love that like ree, ree, ree. it's such a great uh, so good Fuck. only you can turn every page of my heart that's... it's such a like romantic sort of <laughs> fantasy otherworldly yeah vibe yeah yeah I, I love that central melody i love that they're like so many different beeps and boops going in the chorus <laughs> as you're saying before andrew kind of like when there's like a variety of different ones happening all stacked on top of each other it's mm-hmm. like so satisfying um, and that chorus is really propulsive. Like I, I dig the the vibe of the song for sure. This is this is definitely one of the ones that like when I pull this album up, I will go back to it because mm-hmm. it feels so. Um, it has this ethereal quality to yeah. it, where it's like you could kind of place it in any different uh, memory that you have, like something that you are reminiscent about. And it kind of pulls out this, like the happiest qualities of those mm-hmm. things, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. He's doing really interesting things with the synthesizer on there in that the baseline for the synthesizer is also kind of a hook mm-hmm. where it's like, do, 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 do. Like that rhythm is a hook. The part is a hook. And then he throws this lead line over it and it just like kind of sends the whole thing over the top for me yeah um and then it, obviously like it's sprinkled with all of your yeah. <laughs> um that kind of stuff which i think over the course of this entire album you could easily make the case that the programming on it is its greatest strength in that it has made it something incredibly definable there's nobody else that has put out an album that sounds like robot rock, mm. but you also have this album full of fucking banger pop songs, uh-huh. right. which if you are not into the sounds or they feel weird or uh, astral to you in some way, um, then they, they detract from how good the songs actually are. Mm. Right. Whereas yeah. if you had like Taylor Swift singing something like i'm your boy like the pop songwriting in that the way that it's structured the build up the pre-chorus the chorus like how everything hits and how everything plays together i do feel like the fact that he's just limited to being a purist in using synthesizers to create these things does detract from the fact that like 
you could have any other artist sort of retranslate these songs and they would still hold up hmm. as like, oh my God, this is a blueprint for like everything that's happening right now hmm. in pop yeah. music. Yeah, I can't remember if he said this uh, on your show or not, Matt, but when he was talking about how he basically approaches every song just on the piano first and like mm -hmm. thinks of the melody um, and sort of like traditionally creates um, these songs that end up very bleepy bloopy and weird and astral as you're saying, but they always start with this, like could be played on an acoustic guitar, could be played on the piano. And like, yeah. this is evidence of that structure, I think, but yeah, it's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. I love it. The robot beat. Yes, yes. It's so cool. <laughs> this is like Barry White for Daleks. Okay. On <laughs> Doctor Who. Okay. This is the song that like Daleks fuck to. And you can't convince me otherwise. Oh, this is this That's is perfect. This, this song is, I mean, this I, I've I've already shared my top three, but this song is just outside my top three. This is my number um, three. Okay. Yeah. It's the 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 sort of like the sound of like what sounds like a spaceship taking off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So cool. And the little like right going into the second going into the second verse. The verse yeah. yeah. Um oh a little God, going into the minor. How did you remember exactly like the time mark that that was on? <laughs> God, you're it's, a superhuman. It's, it's 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 called being a goddamn professional. <laughs> uh, well done. That's great. Um, now I'm only gonna picture Daleks fucking when I hear that. <laughs> that's all. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, I, I can I, only I can only get hard that way. <laughs> it's quite a niche you've painted in your, <laughs> yourself into a corner with. Um, I just yeah. Again, I think when he's in the sort of like dark minor melody vibe it's yes. like my favorite mode um yeah so yeah that kind of creepy synth line is sort of the the focus here which i like yeah. a lot um and building it around that sound I, I really appreciate that um this is the other one matt that i was saying is like a maybe a little bit of a precursor to to cookie because he's kind of calling out not fitting in the punk scene you know he's like oh yeah yeah punk, yeah yeah. punk boys make the claim this is not my style is what they all say rock rules state the same oh my God. <laughs> turn the tape machine up to 11 we're back with the robot beat um 
God, yeah. I'm so embarrassed that you called me out on that. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm saying I love that it, I, I can see a sort of direct line there maybe. But yeah, no, um, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, yeah. I I love so many things about that song. It feels to me like uh, like monosynth rewritten, yeah, but with less reverb. Um, this is monosynth 2.0. It starts out almost sounding the exact same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you, there's also like lyrically, um, like a theme within this record is sort of uh, no one's asking you, but you keep defending your your stance on things sure and so which begs the question for me uh which is like oh i don't i don't know what it was like to be in that scene at the time mm -hmm. like if you were to come out with any of this stuff right now to an entire community of synth nerds that didn't exist yeah. and mm -hmm. also to people who are into alt pop you know like this is incredibly niche Right. And I have to imagine, like, I, I I can't imagine a world in which this does not find a, an immense audience that would not have been there, like, just sending it to the people who are the least likely to be into it, which would be Protestant evangelicals in, right. the, you know, the late 90s. Um, and to me, that's the strength of it, hmm. uh, that you can say all these things what pulls me out of the robot beat is like the very overtly sort yes. of like Christian. Yeah. Like, we're the bot, the saved. We are the Christians. Like, yeah. And I totally get it. Cause like when I was a teenager, I was like, yeah, he fucking gets me. Oh, sorry for saying fuck God. Um, right. But, but now it, there's a part of me that's like, uh, I don't, relate to that in any way and it makes me feel like it definitely makes a part of me sort of cringe yeah in that like oh no like i i don't agree with that at all right but there's a whole other part of me that is like you know you you talk to ronnie now or recently or you kind of see how his art has developed over time and he's also proven himself to be the kind of person that like consistently critiques everything he does yeah right in which like i i would venture to say that there are things on this album where he's like ah that's a little on the nose right right or yeah. maybe, you know maybe this was a little heavy-handed yeah. and i don't feel that way um because god knows that i've done that like right, god right. knows that i have shit on the internet right now that people would be like oh wow i can't believe you wrote this song like this is so great and i'm like yeah but i don't believe any of that Right, I'm right. so sorry. Like, also, I'm a person just like a tree, and I grow, and I develop new limbs and new ideologies and ways of thinking yeah. about things. And as you guys probably do too. Yeah, no. yeah. I I gotta say, I found it a great relief that he talked about um, Trumpism and how uh, bummed out he was by that element of the evangelical culture i was like okay that really makes me happy that he has that uh sort of <laughs> outlook on things um so yeah I, the, the sort of critiquing the the culture thing i i always appreciate yeah i mean there's a part of it that something we talk about a lot on the show of like appreciating the five irons of the world in terms mm -hmm. of sort of like finding a home that's neither in the sort of secular scene or the classic punk scene yes. so this is sort of a diss track here against his detractors where it's like 
you know, the punks and the secular worlds who don't accept him. Um, so there's part of me that's like, you know, being like, yeah, we're Christian. We're like the weird Christians, like, um, that I can yeah, but sort it of also gives me behind. like gives me cool youth pastor vibes, you know. <laughs> turn, you know, you you sit in the chair, sit in the chair backwards, and be like, "Do you know who is also pretty punk rock and <laughs> Stop was, it. was hated by his government?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, the we're the bold, the saved. We are the Christians. We're back with the robot beat. We are the sound of tomorrow. Is like kind of a bummer but also like i like that he's like i don't know we're the sound of tomorrow like it's cool that he's like yeah that his sort of version of being like cool christian is like we're robots <laughs> like i just <laughs> i like his sort of idiosyncrasies and oh my it. god that is so meta john i'm so glad you brought that <laughs> up like everyone that is a good christian now is probably more akin to being a robot like uh culturally you right, know right. i would imagine um yeah. But yeah, that that feels so uh, dystopian. All right. Feels yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, props to him for just saying the robot beat at the end of the song. Uh, oh kind of yes. Like how uh, Jason in the song "Sundown," Andrew was like "Sundown." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These Martin brothers, they know how to they, they pull it off. Yeah. Robot beat. <laughs> yeah. um yeah i also you know you're you're talking about like you know the sound of tomorrow whatever where this it, I, I there's something about if you're putting out art especially art that is weird and not a part of like we've talked about how he had no peers i like that he's not apologizing in fact, he's talking about, you know what, motherfucker? We have an entire land. You know, we <laughs> right. have yeah, yeah. we have an entire <laughs> yeah. disco for us. Right, you know, he's yeah. not That's he's cool. not being like he's not he's like he's not talking about like, hey, can I have some space? He's like, right. No, I have I'm making my own space yes. and, right. and you yeah. guys aren't allowed yes. in it because you're the ones who kicked me out. Exactly, yeah. because in nineteen ninety seven land was fucking affordable and you could build joy electric land if you wanted to oh man not these days but no definitely not (laughs) yeah that's i think that's like beautiful andrew i'm glad you pointed that out yeah um all right forever is a place this is a blink 182 song (laughs) (laughs) yes oh my god forever is a place where are you where are you oh man you are my dream come true (laughs) totally yeah you're so right guys about these transposing so well the punk songs um 
I, I yeah, I like this one fine. It doesn't do a ton for me, but I like it. Okay, that's that. That sounds on par for John. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this record. <laughs> I mean, the song's called "Forever Is a Place." It should be called "Darkness Is a Place," and I might like it better. I mean, you're probably right. <laughs> I mean, those yeah. spooky vibes. Yeah, I mean, it's not um. You know, today I'll make a wish. Tomorrow it might come true. We are the best of friends. I'll always believe in you. You know, you've kissed me and I'm thrilled. The feeling gets no higher. I don't know. Look, it's it's fine. I, as somebody who is kind of a hopeless romantic, mm-hmm. I am so fucking into these songs. Mm-hmm. Like, you can say the cheesiest thing, <laughs> but if you say it in a compelling way, which for me at like 14 or 15 listening to synthesizers was like, I already have an erection. Please tell me more. <laughs> yeah. Like uh-huh. I, I, I just, this is one of my songs that I'm like, the composition of it is so strange. Like the, yeah, the drum beats and how everything plays together uh, with it. It is so off kilter and mm. strange. And it really does kind of feel like you're on a different planet. Like how would you even do this song as a real band? kind of a thing like without synthesizers yeah i don't want you to think i'm i'm not a sucker for cheesy romantic songs because if you want me to cry immediately play the book of love by the magnetic fields and oh my god i will i will be i will be a mess i will be a mess stop it stop it john you you don't do it don't do that no one can live the damn thing. Stop it. You guys are monsters. <laughs> no, um, I, I'm not, but I'm I will tell you this. I'm an Enneagram four as well. Yeah. I cannot hear that song. It's too much. Without like it has I've had to pull my car over. Yes. I've had to stop having conversations with people because yes. it was happening like in yes. the restaurant. Yes. Like I can't I can't I, live outside of that song. If it's I burst, I burst life. into tears. I cannot concentrate anything on anything else. Like putting on sixty nine love songs at at certain points in these past couple of years, like it's masochistic because it's just too it's too hard for me so, to listen to some of those. Songs. So you have seen probably the Tweak and Craig episode of South Park. <laughs> I have. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. Then I won't waste everyone's time with it, but just hey, you should you should mention it. Yeah, it's it's one of the most amazing. Like they just make this story about these two kids who are not gay but pretend to be gay together, and then they have to figure out what that relationship looks like publicly, and then they play. And I thought to myself, like, this is so funny, this is so ridiculous, and then they immediately put Book of Love. Uh, <laughs> over top of it, and I am, and I can't ever stop thinking about it. It's an immediate roadway to my tear yeah. ducts. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's it's a it's a beautiful song. Uh, I love the magnetic field so much. Um, and I think that I think that that Stephen Merritt is among one of the best living songwriters that we have right now um i think he's just he's i mean talk about prolific songwriters but you said that on a podcast about ronnie martin i just want to remind (laughs) you i mean i understand no we we've already we have already said that the martin brothers are 
extremely prolific. We'll get into uh, magnetic fields. Um, we'll do our mag. We'll do magnified fields as soon yeah, as yeah, they yeah. become Christian <laughs> artists from the early two thousands. Right, we'll yeah. get into magnetic fields. There's got to be magnetic fields podcasts uh, uh, <laughs> for sure. I thought about them earlier when when John, you were mentioning how it's like no drum machines, no whatever, because on the album I by the magnetic fields, he does the exact same thing because that whole album is, is like, he says there are no synthesizers there. It's like it all, all of those songs were created like organically. And, you know, he like wanted to make a point where to, to be like, we took the time in this artistry to do this. And so we want to tell you that we did not take any shortcuts and we did this analog um, without, and, and so, and, and Ronnie started doing the same thing. He's like, he doesn't want someone to dismiss him by being like, oh, they just programmed this on the computer and whatever. It's like, no, he's like, no, this was all extremely intentional. You're right. You're You're absolutely right, but you're hitting on Maybe one of the most important points of this conversation, which are like, all of that shit is relative. Mm -hmm. Like before uh, the piano was invented, people would be like, oh, the fucking piano's cheating. Right, right, right. We used to have to press strings down with our fucking fingers. Right. And then before, you know what I mean? Like everything is constantly evolving. And as things evolve and as technology Mm -hmm. evolves, uh, our artistry and the way that we interface with machinery, the way that we interface with uh, instruments is completely different. And so for one person to sort of dig their heels in the sand, be like, no, like I'm doing it in a more productive way. I'm doing it in uh, in a way that is more relevant or in a way that means more to people well yeah but you're also a part of people and we are just like every other thing in the universe growing and changing evolving adapting Mm -hmm. and so like there's i absolutely get the whole like i want to be just making uh just making music on analog synthesizers like when you talk to ronnie martin as he said in many interviews or as the conversations (laughs) that we've had where he talks about the artistry he wants to or that he cared about at this point in his career, I totally get that because working within the limitations of those synthesizers does cause you to think about your artistry in a different way and what you want to reflect Mm -hmm. to the world in a different way. But it also only exists because there were things that came before it and there were Mm -hmm. things that are coming after it and there would be no integrity if there wasn't something that was already like on its way to, to outdate what you're doing. Right. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't think, I don't think <laughs> like people like Ronnie Martin or Stephen Merritt as people that are, that are saying uh, these are illegitimate forms of artistry, because I mean, if you look at the discography of the magnetic fields prior to I, they did a whole lot of experimental stuff and yeah and 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 for ronnie this was you know he was putting himself within his own constraints intentionally not because i mean he said like 
he wrote on the piano. It's not because he was like, I'm only going to write my music exclusively on my mono synth or right. whatever. He was <laughs> like, my. he's like, <laughs> he's like, um, he's like, this is my girl monosynth. Um, no, like, I don't think I don't look at them as people who are are doing that. I mean, but I, there's in every generation there is the generation um, that's younger than them. There, there's always going to people be people like, like, oh, I don't understand uh you know hyper pop or whatever it's just like it just sounds yeah. like it just yeah. sounds like noise or whatever yeah and, yeah. and then the, the you know but the people in um that were uh like were the punk you know people like punk fans in the 70s that they like hated all the new wave shit you know absolutely it's like, and it's like absolutely. well everybody's gonna hate on it's which is it's all to your point it's like ludicrous that we're we're so what? We don't want music to evolve at all. We don't want people to like try new stuff. It doesn't mean it's going to land every time, but like we have to um there's this new new band that came out um uh that released this band called The Eichlers and it is a combination of like hyper pop and ska. And it is oh my god! It's chaotic. <laughs> um, maybe not like my lane necessarily. Yeah, but people are trying things. Let people like try something weird and new, and and then like twenty years down the road, people are going to be like, "This was so ahead of its time," and right. people will appreciate it when when they're ready because. People aren't always ready for that. I mean, like, I think was it was it um Bob Dylan or somebody like who when he started playing the electric guitar, people were like pissed because it was like turning the, his back on like what uh like the right. scene was, and like right. Pete Seeger was like was o would only like play the acoustic guitar or whatever. Yeah, like we like let's just stop eating our own and let artists make art and see what they can do and see how they can express themselves and i just like i've as i've gotten older i've stopped caring as much about like what i don't like and i care more about what i do like you know why am i going to spend time thinking about stuff i don't like i'm just going to deeply invest in the stuff that brings me joy and makes me happy well yeah and to your point i feel like the older that you get the less you feel threatened Right. By the things that you don't like, right. the more that you're willing to be like, oh, yeah, you like that fucking. Yeah. Isn't it great to like shit? Yes. Right. Because the older you get, the less shit you like. So hold on to that as long as you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's all. And it's again, yeah. it's like all about differentiation. <clears throat> so you got to be like, oh, you know, I I listen to this kind of punk. I don't listen to this kind because that's not real punk the real punk was in 1977 right. and right whatever. it's just like not liking things doesn't make you cool like that doesn't that's not a that's not a thing just because you don't like something that doesn't make you better because you don't like something that someone else likes that's and so like so boring it's such a boring yes, opinion because you are not the sum of your preferences like have you ever been to a funeral Maybe you have. Actually, I realized I just like dove into some pretty like deep territory right here. Do it. Know. That's what we're here for. But 
you go to a funeral mm -hmm. and it's like the things that the people uh, that people have to say about the deceased that they feel like carry the most weight are their preferences that only a mm -hmm. few people knew about mm. and it's like well you know so and so really loved coffee but they loved it black or they loved to have their coffee with a little bit of honey in it and god they really loved kids but like if the kids were playing on playground or you know yeah when, you, when you're an outsider looking at those experiences and you're like I don't know what the fuck anybody's talking about. And also it makes me terrified to die mm -hmm. because I don't want to be that person that is just the sum of their preferences. Right. That, like they just love to drive a Honda fucking civic and <laughs> they, they really wanted to make sure that every kid that they saw, they got a hamburger or a cheeseburger or some shit. Right. And it's like, no, but you were so much more than that. You're like your emotional intelligence, the the depth of emotion that you felt as a person here on the planet is so much more than what we're conveying at this fucking, oh, I'm sorry, you're dead uh, event at the end of your life. And so, um, yeah, yeah, like I, no one, I, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent about no, that. No, but it's, it's, yeah, to your <clears> point, like, I want people to celebrate the things that they loved about me. Like, I don't want someone to get up at my funeral and be like, you know, Andrew hated the TV show, The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> yes. And uh, he he also was not a That's fan. That's the of, first uh, thing I'm going to tell everybody. <laughs> be like, Andrew wouldn't want me to tell you guys this, but he fucking hated The Big Bang Theory. And uh, he wasn't a fan of Nickelback's music. That's mostly what I remember him for. That would be <laughs> such a bummer. Beautiful legacy. <laughs> the legacy he's leaving behind. Yeah. yeah. Man, getting deep on this Robot Rock episode, guys. <laughs> Thank Deals you, off. Ronnie. Yeah, thanks, thanks Ronnie. Ronnie. <laughs> uh, all right. The Berry Patch. It's it's impossible and because people are listening to this and they can't tell, but like we're all smiling as we're listening yeah. to this music because it's impossible to not smile yes. listening to Joy Electric. I mean, that's like 
It's part of the deal. I mean, yeah. joy, joy. It's in yeah. the name. I'm so glad that you brought that up. <laughs> there is like so much of this album that it doesn't matter how you feel or what you think intellectually about it. Your body has a fucking reaction. <laughs> yeah, I know. Totally. You can't control it. The, the music itself is just very bouncy and joyful, but it's like you're imagining yourself being in like some like lush garden or it gives you such positive, happy vibes the whole time. Yes. And just to take the pulse of the room right mm -hmm. now, <laughs> I would assume everyone is thinking of a different berry. <laughs> okay. Mm. I guess because strawberry heart comes next, I guess I just imagined a strawberry, but maybe that's a, uh basic of me i don't know i was i've always pictured like some sort of like dark berry or like a blackberry or something yes okay okay, okay. i i knew this was true you had a strawberry <laughs> john you had a blackberry andrew mine is like an amalgamation of every berry i've ever had it's essentially like if razzleberry pie by marie calendar were an actual berry <laughs> that's what it would be the taste that. of that yes just like skipping through a field to eat some of that pie um yeah this is my number two okay um i can't get over that that main hook the i just love that it's so catchy <laughs> um and then the chorus is just like let's let's have 50 different things going on <laughs> yeah like, one thing happens a second later another like completely different thing happens but I yes love it. it's all like propulsive and just working together in such a fun way the song is just fun i think that's so fun you know sugar rush is fun but i feel like this is fun in a way that like i can sort of uh hang on to a little more easily <laughs> i don't i don't know why you had to <laughs> take take sugar rush down well because i was saying like i like when he goes <laughs> into the sort of dark mode okay so then why is this fun song your number two well it's because i can't deny how fun it is but like i guess there's certain <laughs> kinds of fun i appreciate more than others is all i'm saying <laughs> yeah it's also like sound painting like when i think because i actually used to work like when i got this album i actually did work on a strawberry farm Ooh, cool and so like thinking about my time there does like the way everything is so bouncy and the way everything was planted. This sounds so fucking dumb to anybody who's no, I love it. Doesn't no. love Joy Electric and hasn't worked on a strawberry farm. <laughs> but yeah, it's like it makes perfect sense to me. Like there is such a a an innocent amount of joy that is injected into that that yeah. is undeniable. I'm just totally. imagining you skipping through a field with like wicker baskets full of berries. You know, I fucking did. <laughs> listening to this I album. everywhere yeah. on that berry farm. <laughs> like a disc man listening to this album. It's like, and yeah. you like got the anti skip on. You're like, shit, uh -huh. shit. You're like, you're like trying to hold it. Trying I wasn't, to hold wasn't it willing. Even. I was not willing to like to risk the skip. I bounced it to the cassette tape and I listened to go. it on a Walkman. There, there you, you go. go. Perfect. Yeah. Oh man. What a great song. <laughs> Matt, we have not gotten your two or three yet, right? Uh, you have definitely gotten my one. Yes. Which was Monosense. Monosense. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, Exciting. Okay. The penultimate, Strawberry Heart. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> this is an album that you need to listen to on headphones. Mm. You you will miss so many. We, you know, John, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about um, BTBs, the big texture boys that we are. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> there are. You would miss so many subtle things. If yes. you if you're just passively listening to this to this music and like hearing the panning back and forth and like the the sort of the way things wash through you um, mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. it on headphones, it's it's such a different experience. Yeah, the song is all all of it is really fun. I love that intro. I love yeah. that bass line. Um, yeah. You know, more more berry talk here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> using what? fruit or fruit trees as sort of like yeah metaphor for aspects of like relationships ending maybe or something like that well also like if you think about i mean some sometimes strawberries can look like little little tiny hearts hey there you go here's a here's a question since we're talking berries do you do you guys have a favorite berry because <laughs> you know i was uh i was having a conversation with my roommate the other day about um about strawberries and I, i'm curious if you guys have like a, a go-to berry or if you have like a strong opinion about a favorite berry as john, long as we're talking about berry patches and strawberry hearts john uh, do you have a strong feeling about berry? <laughs> i think you should go top three um, <laughs> no, i would That's say a whole I mean, other podcast yeah yeah uh strawberry is hard to beat for me i think strawberry is number one yeah it's it i think i think so too i think one of the reasons is like a really good strawberry like has it can be juicy but also like crispy not crispy but like have like a like a like a, yeah there's a crispness to it but uh -huh. like if you have like a bad blueberry oh man it's such it's a, a bummer. bummer like a yeah. flavorless blueberry what a, a bummer flaccid blueberry <laughs> flaccid it's the worst kind of berry yeah, it's not a what flaccid you want. flavorless blueberry is such a disappointment yeah but yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to. What about what about you, Matt? Let me let's get some hot some hot berry takes. No, I will I will sit on a summer day and I will eat every single strawberry that you put in front of me, especially yeah. if there's like a little thing of sugar to dip it in, uh, because I'm also ready to become diabetic because I hate <laughs> being here on this planet and I want to die as soon as possible. Um, but my favorite berry is probably blackberries, the razzleberry. Oh my god! <laughs> Anything that's in a raspberry pie, I'm so on board with. But blackberries do not fuck around. They're just small enough where they're like, you don't have to take several bites. Just pop us in, and we're done. And like everything is there. They're like, oh, you want different colored lips? Yeah, we got that too. Uh, you want different colored shits? We got that too. Like they transform you. With the slightest amount of effort, like they don't even give a shit. They're like, "Oh yeah, if you eat us, everything about you will change." Yeah, and I so love that confidence. Stain every single thing that you own. Yes, yeah. exactly. stain your counter, stain your cutting board, stain I your fingers. That. You want to get into tie dye? Squish us up and <laughs> put us on some fucking white t-shirts. Yeah, but you're gonna have we to spend like a few thousand dollars on like a. You know, like eight dollars for four ounces of blackberries or whatever. Mm. So raspberries and blackberries are—they're also fucking expensive. Yeah, you're a, you're a big spender over there. You know, I'm your... sorry. We, in South Carolina, you can pick them off oh. the side of the road. There are like 
there are places there there are hollers that you can go mm-hmm. uh during blackberry season and you can just pick we uh and, and, well here yeah. in the frozen tundra you know we don't like you know walk around picking picking the fresh berries mm. man i'm sorry that, I, I need to check my fucking privilege right now check your berry privilege please uh, out of whack oh man <laughs> um all right well Okay, if we're done talking about Strawberry Heart uh, and actual strawberries, well, is that is that that one's in your top three, right, Matt? Uh, yeah, we haven't. Have we? We're like on the second to last song. Have we gotten anything other than monosynth from you? Wait, have you guys told what your top three is yet? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Are you saving it for the end? It's been so. It's been monosynth. Uh huh. Has been everybody's top one. Yes. yes. Okay, and then the number two. Mine was Berry Patch. Your, mine was Berry Patch. Mine was Sugar Rush. Okay. And then my number three was the robot beat. And num- my number three was Joy Electric Land. Okay. My number two fluctuates between Forever is a Place and Berry Patch. Okay. okay. Because because they're so strange, but there's so much word painting and they actually sound like the things that they are. Uh, where it's like if a berry patch had a sound, yeah, it's that song. All right. But yeah, okay. my number three is absolutely i'll just go ahead and tell you it is we are taking over. yeah this is just outside my top three fuck yeah love it that's a really cool sound yes it is oh, so good It so occupies good. that dark space for you, yes, John. Yes, it sure does. It, yeah, <laughs> it was very tough for me to leave this off uh, my top three. But yeah, why do you love it, Matt? I love it because it's so minor. It's so broody. It's yep. so dark. And it also, um, this song reminds me of, I think that there's a song, I don't know if it's called this or not, but I think it's called like Cities there's something it's a craft work song mm-hmm. where there's yeah. constantly these like synthesizers moving up to different intervals mm-hmm. in it and it gives you like as you listen to it you conjure these images of like buildings rising mm-hmm. yeah and humanity like progressing and then you wonder to yourself existentially like oh my god is this too big like what are we like who who like what is the hubris of our existence that mm-hmm. it does this and this song kind of does that for me Mm. i don't have any reason to believe that ronnie thought that that was what he was conveying when he wrote this song sure but 
I love the confidence of it. I yeah. love the hubris of it. Um, and I love the how this many years later, the foreshadowing of the sentiment of it is exactly true. That mm. God damn it, there's so that so much music now is made with computers and mm. software and like everything about what he was talking about, you know, the things where he was like, nobody understands how I'm just a sad boy and I want to use my computer. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, uh, every, all music is sad boys with computers and we're yeah. writing music for everybody else mm-hmm. who is not that. But like ultimately everything really comes down to you talk to any producer <laughs> over the last 20 years, they are all sad boys kind of coked <laughs> yeah. out on the weekends with computers. Yeah. And I just, I think it's so fitting and I have no idea how he could have known how relevant that would be, or even if that was what he was trying to convey in that moment. Mm -hmm. But this is one of those songs that like stands the test of time to me and is absolutely my, my number two or three. It, it like fluctuates. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love it. I feel like just immediately from that intro, I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, baby. And then, you know, the beat, the bass line, that like high, there's like two high synth parts going on kind of simultaneously, the hook, and then the like, the one that's sliding up and down on top of that. Yes. Um, which is so cool. Um, and feels like cacophonous in a cool way. Like there's just mm-hmm. so much going on. It's I don't like know a why. counterpoint that's happening. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why this one to me feels a little more expansive than like what I was saying. I find kind of, you know, monotonous or repetitive sometime with the lane of some of the other songs here, like this one, the drums just hit harder. There's like multiple elements to it. So I don't know if it's just that there are different parts or he's using, you know, a piece here that he isn't using on some of the other songs, but for some reason, this one to me feels big in a way that I really like. Um, and yeah, it just builds in such a, a cool way. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure what to make exact. So the, the the only lyrics are, I want it all, but you won't hear me or catch my fall. I started pure, then you deceived me. Now I own you. Back off, I've claimed the rule. So hearing it in the context of what you were saying, Matt, that that makes sense. I wasn't totally sure. It's a little cryptic, um, but the idea that, you know, we're taking over, that 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 makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I will also say this, like the, because this one doesn't feel so overtly Christian, Right. Uh, it definitely feels like it, it can stand the test of time, at least in my life. Um, but that's not to say that that's not to like diminish or, or disqualify any of the other things uh, that he's written. But once he kind of moves on from this and once he kind of moves on from the Christian songs kind of like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But did you understand that? I also believe in Christ. Right. Like <laughs> once it kind of starts moving out of that, it's like yeah. he, from day one, he has shown everyone that he has this incredible capacity for metaphor and word painting. Mm-hmm. And then once he kind of moves past this sort of weird uh, chip on his shoulder, that's like, yeah, but did you did you know that I'm Christian? Um, right. It it sort of starts to open up for me, even when he's talking about very religious themes. He uh, like moving into the White Songbook era. I mean, I guess we can talk about this now that we're like moving past Robot Rock. But um, 
there's some of the most beautiful poetry and prose mm -hmm. that I still reference when I'm like, oh, I'm kind of stuck on a song or like, hey, I just want to be reminded of what like a beautiful sentiment looks like. Mm. And I feel like he has that flowing through him. Mm. And while I don't, I don't resonate with like the overt Christianity of some of those sentiments. Mm -hmm. I do feel like there are things outside of that that just come through him, regardless of what you want to call it. It is a specific brand of beauty that the universe is and will propagate mm -hmm. through someone. And thank God it just happened to be through somebody like Ronnie Martin. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that is that too esoteric or is that no no i feel like okay. that's a beautiful closing note here for us uh yeah. closing the chapter on robot rock and what a joy to go through this record with you matt uh it would have been fun anyway but it was so much more fun hearing everything you had to say about it and your great insight in us being like, what's going woo, woo, woo. And you'd be like, well, maybe it was this. Kind oh of yeah. It's the woo, woo, woo machine. That's yeah, it. I love that machine. It's, that was one of the early, uh, <laughs> Korg. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, anyway, what a blast. Um, obviously if people don't already, they should follow and subscribe to 11 life on our shared rock candy network. Check out all the other shows, many wonderful shows under our pod umbrella. They should go check out this 117 single coming out this week. Go download these Fantasy League tracks if you haven't yet and watch for that record. Um, all kinds of great stuff that Matt is creating on the regular, and we appreciate it as always. Um, very interested to hear what folks think about our discussion today and about Joy Electric in general. You can do that at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Follow and subscribe if you haven't already, rating or review, and we'll read your review on the pod. Email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763, 872-7-MAGPOD. You can support us over at the Patreon, patreon.com slash magnifiedpod. And Andrew, we have to welcome a new Patreon punk. Oh, shit. Welcome, Aaron Quillen. <laughs> welcome, Aaron. Uh, glad to have you among the ranks of the Patreon punks. I know Aaron joined... Uh, to hear us talk extra star flyer which we did <laughs> last week on the patreon if you want to hear us talk about gold check it out over there and pick up some new season four merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com thanks to small step records for sponsoring us check out smallsteprecords.com and thanks to shadow producer jason and bruno at unoriginal vinyl for our artwork well i think i hear the voice of the spirit begging us to shut the fuck up we'll be back to try to make you go astray next week when we'll discuss bon voyage's self-titled album with some special guests I think we should do an acapella cover of one of these songs. In. <laughs> Sliders. <laughs> Good times. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.